Welcome to the Intercut Podcast and our countdown of the best movies of 2023. I'm your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he thought he might start a chain reaction that would destroy the world. It's Arturo Zurita. Ever since we started this podcast, it's been nothing but downhill for the podcast of the world. <laughs> Absolutely. But we're just Barbie. We needed Ken, so we brought on Amanda, hey. the Jedi hey. outfit, and all you came dressed to impress. I did. I feel like the results of this top list will be shocking to many people, but we're here. Because that's the only mention of Barbie. That's the only mention. <laughs> it, it feels like we're we're at the start of something or the end of something with this movie year, because it is a, a pretty stacked year. We were talking before we were started recording that we got lists that are like 40, 50, maybe more deep of movies that feel like they belong somewhere on a top 10 list. But we only mm -hmm. got room for so many. There's no way to sneak them in. <laughs> yeah, we will have to do a whole separate <laughs> video for that. That would be impractical. Easily. But yeah, we did scientifically like the great minds in Oppenheimer's Manhattan Project before us come to a conclusion about the best movies of the year separate Ooh. we couldn't like negotiate that together we had to each come up with our in individual choices call them together as we do every year on the podcast as we have been talking about 23 23 really stacked year you know we've Decent. been post covid and lockdowns there have been certain years where films were delayed some films didn't go into production and i kind of feel like this was the first full year where we were like totally completely back huge productions little productions mm -hmm. just like people going to the theater in past years lists i've asked both of you if you had seen the majority of your movies on streaming or if you'd seen the majority of your movies in theaters i don't think that's a question this year i'm pretty confident both of you saw the majority of your movies in theaters uh, amanda is there any theatrical experience that you think was the defining moment of the year, whether or not it was maybe your defining movie of the year. Yeah, I did actually see every single one of these in a theater. There we go. Wow. I think also, yeah, also my runner-ups too. I, theaters I think are back. There's a lot. There's a lot of really great moments uh, theatrically for this, but I do think it really has to just come down to the crowd reaction to Bottoms, like seeing the <laughs> premiere, the world premiere of yeah. Bottoms with the cast, with the crew. With all the excited people who were too young to get the needle drop of Avril Lavigne, but I was there for it. Uh, that's definitely my my big my big one. But there's there's so many. It was such a such a great year for that. And then I have some like weird awkward ones, like the people who started laughing at the beginning beginning of the holdovers when they're going through the names of like the people that died in at war that were students there because they were so primed for it being a comedy that they thought that was a joke. Mm. And then they mm. just laughed too much at everything else. And I was like, trying to compensate no, to, you don't. to make up for it. That's crazy. I don't even think they were trying to make up for it. I think they were just that, like, I'm not to be mean, but like dumb. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, this is setting up a very emotional a moment to show gas. that there are like people died. Yeah. And that's setting a tone here. And you think it's, that's, I don't, it was very weird. Yeah. It was so That was weird. my May, December screening. Yeah. <laughs> 
theater audiences, it's it's hit or miss. I, I loved getting to see, you know, Barbenheimer and rooms yes. full of enthusiastic audiences. But I also probably would have enjoyed Gran Turismo a little bit more if the person three seats down from me wasn't FaceTiming during the entire movie. <laughs> But that's the the give and take of seeing movies with the public. Art, what was the defining movie moment or story of the year for you? Because this was a year where we had historic work stoppages and we also had historic box office results. Was it was it Barbenheimer? Was it Five Nights at Freddy's? What was the story <laughs> of 2023 to you? Uh, well, 18 out of my 10 I did see in theaters. Uh, <laughs> and for stuff like Oppenheimer, especially traveling to go see it in its glorious 70 mm. millimeter, which, oh, yeah, I still got these Ooh. handy right here. The the oh. fact that they had the ability what? to be able to give these out in some places. I should actually Super say jealous. the IMAX ratio in this way. Oh, damn. was one of the, the best things to do. I had a whole, like, tour that I wanted to do and catching it in different theaters. Shout out to the Indianapolis IMAX Museum. Incredible, impeccable stuff. I already told Zach. Now it's time for Amanda to know. That Dune is coming out when we are at South By, a place that I traveled to because the Bullock IMAX theater over there is fantastic. Great museum, great people over there as well. So I'm excited to do that IMAX screening as a group because we've seen things on laptops together, on phones together, uh, projectors in our own uh, Harry Potter theaters. We've been to (laughs) movies together, but we haven't been in an IMAX movie together. And that is true IMAX for Dune next year. So I have to put Oppenheimer there clearly at the top. Uh, In all seriousness, I do have eight out of my ten. In theaters, which is fantastic. It's great. I have two that I technically saw with one of them I saw together as a group. So to me, that still didn't change the fact that, you know, some of these dramas, some of these movies, regardless of where you see them, they're top tier. And just the ability to be able to still have access to a lot of these movies, I think is fantastic. That to me, being able to go back to uh, all of the film festivals in full glory, I thought was pretty cool. We did the Harry Potter house last year at Sundance. And then we came full throttle Sundance this year. Y'all got to come to South by fantastic, mm-hmm. incredible, fun year. You returned Speaking to of, TIFF? Yeah, you made your I, TIFF They finally return. let me back into TIFF, yes. <laughs> Canada opened its borders again. Oh, um, and, and yeah, just everything else in between from, you know, still being able to do Tribeca online. Mm. Being able to to have Chicago come back uh, and and make up for you know the New York picks or other places that we weren't able to go to, um, I, yeah, I, theaters being back, the events of movies I think was really the big push from yeah. Barbenheimer, from um, the the T Swift stuff, sure. Spider Verse, and people like going Dude, crazy for even it. Talk to me, having that like indie mm-hmm. run, you know. I even give it to poor things the way that it was rolling out and people were were making it a feat to go out there. Uh, uh, Yeah, I just think it's been really cool to see all these movies like Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer make Mm. like a big splash out of the box office and not just overall the the plethora of movies. It's it's been dope. Yeah. But no no love to Sound of Freedom at all. I see you. I see your biases. Okay. Um, (laughs) I haven't seen it yet, bro. Uh, I got to start the new year with it. Yeah. Speaking of things we haven't seen, are there any movies that you are upset that you haven't seen? We we should preface, we haven't seen Aquaman 2. It's not going to make any of our lists. I, I haven't seen Migration, the new film from Illumination. Uh, there's uh, a couple stuff like Color Purple or yeah. I know About Dry Grasses had a pretty good. strong festival run that I wasn't able release. to catch. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I have seen that one. I have seen. Oh that one. yeah, that oh, was a, a con it, one, right? That was a con one. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little. It's long. 
it's long. I need to see it again. It had still moments. watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's still it's right now playing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, I've so got yeah. one that I don't know if it's going to make for y'all's, but the new Vim Vendors is, is the big one that I missed out on. That, Perfect. Major. I, that's one of the Major. ones that's like kind of fighting three other things on my list. So we'll see what happens once we get going. Um, I missed Iron <laughs> Claw. So the there, is a chance, there is a chance that like that as we're recording this, something might come in with a do-do-do-do-do. Because I see it on Thursday. So I assume we'll that Zach will be done. We'll call it the Dropbox move. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, just like one of those. The Amanda so we'll Pile Drive. Because I think I'm really going to like it. I think I'm really going to like it's that one. It's pretty good. I just have a yeah. feeling that it seems like I'm going to like it. Um, I also haven't seen Maestro, but I don't know if that would have cracked my mm. top 10. That's the issue. This is a year where Zach and I, when we were doing the, the chemistry and the physics, we were, we were really yeah. going at it, creating In our atomic lab. bombs. We realized mm. that there are so many four-star movies that are getting the boot. It mm. is unreal. Yeah. That's the sign of a great year. Stacked year. Does that mean next year's going to suck? (laughs) I hope not. I mean, you know, obviously there were the work stoppages, so that's a couple months where there were maybe fewer movies getting made, but also a few movies like Dune that got pushed into next year. So hopefully Dune, other things, and that other movie Mm -hmm. that's also still going to come out. This is what, uh, oh yeah, Challengers. This is what, uh, uh, this is why they haven't released MIOK yet. This is, uh, they knew this. They knew this was coming, so they've been sitting on it for two years. Exactly. So a lot of movies to celebrate. I think I had at least 25 movies that I would have been comfortable putting into my top 10 list, but mm. we had to narrow it down to 10. Uh, do we want to do a, a quick toast to movies? We, we're doing a lot of recording today, so we're imbibing a little to help our experience through it, right? There you go. To the inner cuties. I'm on antibiotics. To, so. to movies. <laughs> <laughs> to movies. Yeah. Salud. All right. So I think we should get into the top 10 lists. Art started us off last time. I'll throw to Amanda to give us her number 10. Look, a lot of things have been duking it out for this spot. You know, I I got perfect days fighting for it. That's the one I picked. Sorry. I had May, December (laughs) fighting for it. Blackberry fighting for it. I think I'm going with perfect days. (laughs) Moonlight. Um, Moonlight. Yeah, this is like. This is rough because this was also one of the ones I was considering holding off till the like needs more attention because I don't know how many people even know it exists. Yeah. This is just, it's such, I had a weird con experience in that like nothing was really blowing me away. And then like a couple things kind of like came in at the end and kind of like gave me like the one, two punch and like perfect days was one of those movies. It just felt so beautiful in its simplicity. Like you're watching this man clean toilets and it works. Like it actually works. And just being in his life for this manner of time and and learning a little bit more about his like complexities and his personality and the people that he interacts with on a daily basis and his routines. It's like really nice and and sweet. And then at times also sad and kind of like makes you contemplate your own life and existence and like the things that do bring him the simple joys and how little he speaks. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think in the movie, there's like 20 minutes before like a word is spoken, but it, it works. Like it's like really really good so that's just one of those ones that kind of came out out of nowhere and like i didn't expect it to like it anywhere near as much as i did and uh walked away with it being pretty much one of my favorites at that festival yeah amanda you talked about how there's pretty much no dialogue in those first 20 minutes when i saw perfect days they didn't put the subtitles (laughs) on but it's just such a like a a low-key quiet movie that it Mm kind of just 
felt okay. Like I didn't really need to know exactly what they were saying. It's yeah. When you would message that, mm-hmm. I was like, that's perfect. Cause there's like, they wouldn't even have to worry about that for like 20 minutes. Yeah. That's like, you wouldn't have, you know, it, it's really just watching this man and watching his routine and watching the life mm-hmm. that he's cultivated for himself and where he chooses to put his interests and stuff. And I think you could describe it as a simple movie, but it's not, it, it's not about simple things. I think there's really a, yes. a quiet profundity to it. And yes. I, it's just really like life affirming in a way that almost feels like hacky to call it life affirming. Like it's not like a, like an inspirational faith movie or something. It's just kind of, yeah. it, it's a movie that's highlighting the beauty of every day, of simple interactions and things like that. So uh, I'm really glad that you ended up putting it on your top 10 list. I have it in my honorable mentions. It probably would have been one of my hidden gems, but uh, it's a a really special movie. Art, I have a feeling you're going to dig it too whenever you get a chance to see it. It's the one movie that's missing. That's it. Like, that's literally, my watch list is one. It's that. Ever since you guys said that it was the toilet cleaning movie that's kind of like Patterson, y'all have me really anticipating a a toilet cleaning movie. (laughs) It's the magic of film, man. Absolutely. I'm excited for it. Yeah, so Amanda's number 10, Perfect Days. I'm going to go to my number 10, which is Asteroid City. Amanda, you have this a little higher on your list? Or? Yeah, just a little. That's my number nine. All right, so we can talk about it a little bit now. Let's do it now, yeah. The latest from Wes Anderson. I mean, there's a million adjectives that you could use to describe just about every uh, Wes Anderson movie. It's kind of picture book-esque. It's pristinely crafted. You know, the visuals are immaculate in a way that I don't think any other filmmaker is really quite working on that level. But Mm. you could say that about some of the movies that are lesser Wes Anderson as well. I think what really stands out to me about Asteroid City is that there is this this real emotional core to it, this a really vulnerable element where he's not only examining these characters, but he's sort of doing a kind of refraction of his own career. It's, it's, it's interrogating the idea of why we tell stories and why we connect to stories and why stories matter to us. And I think there are so many just little moments, little bits of dialogue that speak so profoundly about these really deep ideas. Uh, I can like recall certain scenes, particularly like the Margot, Margot Robbie wife scene Mm. where she's, shows up for such a small part in that movie but it is one of the like emotional cores of the year it's such a such a beautiful moment i don't know i i think it's great i also really love jason schwartzman in it it's just like an incredible performance from one of my favorite underrepresented actors i feel like but yeah it took me so long to realize it was him yeah it took me until the scene where he is auditioning for the role to be like Holy shit, that was Jason Schwartz. Because he's like, his voice sounds different. Like he's just doing something with his voice. They've given him color contact. So it's like all these little subtle things that I'm like, oh my God, that is exactly who that is. And it was so good. And and there's Um, probably no actor who can make Wes Anderson's words sound like poetry more than Jason Schwartzman. He's so good in it. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, who's another person who's had a a great 2023, is so good in it. So many actors, so, so good in this movie. Uh, Yeah, it's a movie that I love as a whole, but I also just like think about all these small elements of it and it makes me happy, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also like obviously everything you said in terms of like how it's putting the eye on like him, himself, his own career and just like create a process and like why we connect with things we connect with and just 
the every stage that goes into like making this movie but I also just found that it like I don't know the way it was engaging with that also just felt like it was engaging with like the how it feels to be alive just kind of like the things that why you might make certain choices in your life and what is the reason behind certain things what's the purpose behind decisions you make or the things you do and I just thought it was like really beautiful on that end too so it was that was another one at con that I was like thank god I finally got a movie that doesn't like is not mediocre or like good but like didn't hit me quite as much as I wanted it to hit this one like hit and it's so good because I hated French Dispatch <laughs> so I was very glad that he came back with the uh, with the fire if you're gonna do these like multi-style character stories I much prefer it being like this is like a person telling the story of a person who is telling a story and these are all the people that are in that story so uh, I also just love the way that, that it looks the way that the world was built for the city um, just all these like little little things and and there's no nobody underused nobody overused it was very I don't know. I like it a lot. Big, big fan of it. <clears throat> Team French. <laughs> I saw Art yeah. taking a very deliberate sip of I his saw, mug there. But yeah. I don't like anthologies. Like, like it's very hard for me to get taken with anything that's, that's an anthology. So if like French Dispatch like, did not do it. And I also I saw it with someone who hated that's it. Why so. I, that's why I like, I think the story that he's telling there, what you guys are saying, what he's reflecting on mm. in, and I, I don't mind. I don't think it deserves to be on uh, worthless. Mm-hmm. Like people no. have put, um, what's it called in but i think what he's reflecting on in this one it's what he was being very progressive with in french dispatch and knowing that it was going to be this like the support of of a bunch of different stories i think that's where jeffrey wright is really cooking Mm. he's doing good technique over here good skill but like there's heart in that other performance i forgot he was in french dispatch so i don't know what that says about his performance (laughs) in my memory of it i forgot he was in it we gonna have to duke it out afterwards. Not French Dispatch forever. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'll give it another He's watch. I'll give it. An, I'll give it another watch. I forgot he was in it. <laughs> I, you oh. know, it's funny. I think Amanda usually has some choice that I don't think particularly highly of, and I pick some choice yeah. that she doesn't think particularly high of, highly of. Knowing yeah. what happened this year, I think you and Art might be the ones who are at each other's throats during this podcast. There's so. gonna be a couple controversial kill each other choices. <laughs> yeah. We actually do. Yeah, no, you're right. You're yeah. spoiling it for later. We do have yeah. a couple. We have we'll a couple. keep it a piece for now. We'll, at we'll least save our one battles. Of them, at least one of them I know it's like, I think I'm yeah. wrong. It's just not for me. And one of them I think you're crazy, but we'll get there. And I don't hate Astro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's I the know. interesting so, thing, though, is that yeah. I do think there are a lot of similarities between Batch and Asteroid City. I think they're after very similar ideas. There are. I, I'm more on Amanda's side yeah. in that I think the, I the combination just worked better in Asteroid City. But yeah. For me. I don't know if we ever have a, a whole spoiler discussion, but I definitely do think that Asteroid City is him venting as yeah. him as the creator mm-hmm. about like his career and everything, like you guys have said, from his perspective. French Dispatch was him being willing to hear that out and do something about it. I think that's maybe why I connected to that more, because the whole you're, you, you can't fall asleep if you're always awake is like, <laughs> I like it. But it's, it's okay to make what you want. I think that that's why Asteroid City hit with a lot of people because he's at that point in time where it's like he needs to reflect on his entire career. But I don't think he ever yeah. did anything wrong. Like, I am okay if he would have just kept making his funny little movies. But you're in an era in time where it's like everyone's platform needs to be something. And I think that's exactly what he's saying in that, you know, you you can't fall asleep if you're always awake. And it's, I think, a mantra a lot of people needed. But showing what he did with Jeffrey Wright in, in uh, French Dispatch, I was like... Nah, you like you're good, bro. Make whatever you want, and um, 
Yeah. Uh, Asteroid City will grow on me for sure. I'll watch French Dispatch again. Go. I've only seen it once, so. Yeah, for sure. Hey, you know what? I'll bring my copy <laughs> to uh, to Sunday. That's Sundays? what we do on, right. on Intercut. We'll we build bridges we'll through movies. I got to buy it first. I got to buy the copy first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Asteroid City, I got it at number 10. Amanda hey. has it at number nine. Art, what do you have at number 10 on your list? I got to pay my respects first. There's a horror movie that I know is going to be mentioned later on. I cannot believe that it got topped out. But it's just ridiculous to me how much I love this movie at the beginning of the year. And it did not make it. It did not make the mid-year. But I shouted it out. And it does not make my final year. That yeah. is how stacked this year was. It will be respected in a little bit. Y'all know what that horror movie is. Yeah. I had to go with a thriller that I caught at Chicago last year that is finally out this year. Oh. And that is The Beast. It is a movie that I have been saying has been a hidden gem for a while. It is a thriller. About this man who lives in this. <laughs> yeah, so we should Sidhu clarify one? because there's also a 2023 Bestia. beast starring Leia Sadu. This is. It, this Don't is do Bestia. Like That's so why I was looking like, what? This is Asbestas, okay. is technically what it's called. Oh, okay. It is a. Uh, I guess they are both foreign language films. This is the one by is Rodrigo it? Sorogoyen, is how, what okay. his name is. This is a movie in where a guy and his wife move into a place where they're technically not welcomed because everybody there has been wanting to sell this place to... I've seen uh, You've seen it? Yeah, it was a con. There we go. Bro, this thing is the perfect thriller. It is the type of movie that just escalates and escalates and escalates to the point that, like, while they are the main characters and you're like, yeah, this is pretty harsh what's happening to them, you then get more revelations in the story and you're like, nah, maybe you are the person who yeah. shouldn't be here. Yeah. It is one of those movies that when it ends, you still want more. The performances, Damn. the cinematography, and uh, just the ambiance that they create you with the sound the, design and like the scores. It's suffocating. It's suffocating. It is. Like you can feel it. This is one of those that when it ends, I got to see this at the theater in Chicago. Um, the guy next to me, he like you just you know when you bond with somebody, you're like, wow, we <laughs> yeah. just went through that. Everybody wanted to see more in this movie. It's one that stuck with me to the point that, you know, the thrilling aspect of it and, and, and the drama edges out that horror that I really thought was going to make it to the end of it. Uh, again, cinematography-wise, the only other thing that I think beats the, the landscapes that has this is Godland, another underrated pick that I had over uh, from Chicago as well. But at my number 10, I'm locking in Asbestas. Not the Leo Sado one, but the thriller coming uh, from... France and Spain, co-production. Like, probably. Not, is it... France and Spain. Oh, there, there you go. go. And it's, it's a big push. I don't know there. why I thought it was uh, like really, Hungarian, but. Yeah. And, uh, really good performances Spain from sense, yeah. not just the <laughs> wife played by Marina Fo, mm. but Denny yeah. Menocet, yeah. who's the who's main actually, guy. Like, pretty really recognizable. Good. Speaking of French Dispatch, he's got a role in French Dispatch as he's well. Been, yes. Yeah. He's I been know. a lot of things. But dude, the, the, the guy, the, the duo of brothers, the main one played by Luis Sahara, mm. that guy was cooking. That is an underrated best supporting performance that is getting underlooked like crazy. He yeah. killed it in the role. Um, but yeah, best yes. I think there's a lot of themes in this movie that are covered in bigger movies and a lot of other through lines being in series and such. And I think this is one of the best ones. Uh, and one, yeah, of, one really, of the best posters too. Killer really poster. strong poster. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, beasts, the beasts plural where versus Leia Sedu's is just the beast singular. Because well, Letterboxd beast. is so yeah. stingy about even the slightest thing being off. So stupid. I know they are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Out. So, yeah, the beasts, <laughs> not the beast, makes number ten Arturo's list. Uh, Amanda's has her number nine as Asteroid City. So we'll go to my number nine, the holdovers, mm -hmm. which I'm pretty confident is going to show up later, and we'll go back. 
Oh, it's your eight? That's my eight. <laughs> yeah. So we're just kind of like one off. We're just like one off. I think it's still so, going to show up on Art's list yeah, as well. I got my... or, or am I mistaken? No, Art said he didn't like holdovers. I don't think this no, is I on his like 10. No, I did like But I thought you thought you thought I liked it more. You did like it more because it's one, two, three, four, five, okay. six, 16 on my list. All right, so then let's... Okay, mathematically, you, you like it more. Yeah. No, I respect yeah, so it. No, you, you made it sound like it was ahead on your list. You made it sound like it was more on your 10. It's in my top 20. Yeah. It's in your oh, top right, 10. Right. That's why I'm like, you need this post yeah, more no, than I no, that No, but like, because so we were like, we're going to talk more about it later. Yeah. But then I was like, I don't yeah. think this is higher on Z- on Art's list. Yeah, there that's our peace treaty right there. We do agree on the holdover. Yeah. Y'all hyped it yeah. up like crazy coming out of uh, TIFF. Tiff. I didn't get to see it the moment oh, I did. Really? Dude, it's yeah. beautiful. It's so Absolutely. damn cozy, too. And it holds up. It holds up so well. Like watching it, I watched it yeah. again when it was snowing. And I was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. <laughs> That's forty X. Yeah, like right there, I was like amazing. I'm oh, gonna stand on my balcony with the for two seconds. I yeah. sent a picture of to Zach of a bottle of Jim Beam. I don't even like Jim Beam. <laughs> I hate Jim Beam, but I did it in honor of this man, and I truly do believe he may be an upset. Uh, you're talking Paul specifically is going to be an upset because I I'm kind of Divine Joy Randall seems to be a lock. Paul Giamatti. I... Might would put everyone in a frenzy. I'm starting to come around to I that think side that he too, may be an underdog. because he his it. performance is such he like, does a, it. like a, a, in a weird way, because it's not like a warm character, ultimately a really warm performance. And I think is such a celebration of the things that Paul mm-hmm. Giamatti is particularly great at because he can be this kind of curmudgeonly example, yeah. weird mm-hmm. guy, but he's ultimately really lovable and, and sweet. And, and like, I love the Killian Murphy yeah. performance in Oppenheimer. We'll probably get to that. But it, it, he is more of a cipher for that yeah. movie. So, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to lean Paul as well. I Yeah. I Yeah. Alexander Payne said that when he wrote him, he specifically called the character Paul because there was nobody else who was going to be able to be him. Like, yeah. that's how set on he was. And I agree it's with so Zach. Good. He is leaning mm-hmm. verbally to almost being like a Whiplash. What's yeah. his name's character? And then all yeah. of a sudden comes the other way and he's got all these heartfelt moments he is he's incredible in this movie yeah no it's uh a f- like and honestly everybody in that movie is firing on all cylinders like dominic sessa sesso sesso mm-hmm. he Sessa. they just him, discovered but for a first timer that they just discovered first timer not bad he's yeah. so good I, he's, I, he's perfectly suited for he's that role. perfectly suited yeah. for that role but obviously like paul is really standing out um, and there's, I just feel like there's such a range to what his character goes through. And like, other than it being so cozy, the one other thing that kind of, we always brought up, I think it was Jeff that first pointed it out, but it's true. Like we know it was doing all these tricks to make it feel like it was made in the seventies, but it does genuinely feel like this movie was made in the seventies and then lost. Yeah. And then now they're like, we found this movie in the basement. And cause it's like everything about it. Like it's like the way it looks, the crackling audio and it doesn't feel like it was faked. It feels like it mm-hmm. was authentically shot to be that way. Cause it was made at, in that time. And that mm-hmm. seems like such a small thing, but it really does go so far for making this feel kind of more like one of those instant classics that you're watching it. And you just know that like really a lot is. of people, this is going to be like a comfort movie for a lot of people. This is going to be yeah. something that people it, revisit every year. Yeah. And I love also just specifically thinking about the idea of this as a cozy movie, because mm. we, we talked about this on Intercut before, but Alexander Payne sort of rejects that idea. He yeah. doesn't think it is yeah, well, a cozy he's movie. But I can agree. But the, but, that, but the thing yeah. is that, like, Continue. look, I, I think, you know, if you think about, like, a Hallmark type of movie, mm. a movie that's being designed to be cozy, it's almost, like, too cozy. It's suspicious. Yeah. It's trying so hard to be that that thing that, like, 
you know, when you get a movie like The Holdovers, it doesn't feel like it's bullshitting you. No. Yeah, like, yeah there are some like rough edges and, and you know, sharply worded insults, but ultimately it's a movie about like overcoming those kind of difficulties and those yeah. those sadnesses that you carry with you to he find a, a more content place to land. Yeah. Yeah. When you I read say the word wrong. Yeah. Exactly. When I when I say cozy, I don't mean like this. He is took it this as an like, insult. Yeah, and I don't mean it as this like perfectly happy thing. I just mean it as this thing that is like it makes you feel things like so yeah. effectively, and yeah. it set its environment so effectively that like I think the one thing that a lot of people don't realize if they're not from around where it snows, snow makes everything so quiet. It yeah. everything gets this weird silence to the air that is like. No one, you don't, if you've never experienced it, you don't know how to explain it. And like this movie gets that it quality. It got that tone, yeah. It gets that quality in there that every, it feels familiar. You want to bundle up. You want to curl up and watch these people go through like very difficult times. And I'm like, they can say it's not cozy, but when they were sending out the like media press packages, they sent the me coziest? a, they sent me a <laughs> sweater. They sent me a mug. They sent me a s'mores kit. They sent me hot chocolate, you know, they, <laughs> and they sent me eight fucking christmas candle they they're Ooh. marketing it to be cozy because it's an environment the movie is pulling yeah. you into an environment and it's not this like horrific nightmare in the way that would like when i'm saying cozy i don't mean it in like a cheap way that i'm sure he's taking it which i i get yeah. why i think it's the same thing with the may december camp argument like we don't mean it they're taking words in different ways yeah they're yeah, taking yeah. the word they in a different way than it's just kind For of sure. like yeah it, it's it's cozy in a in a way that it feels like this yeah. instant classic that you think of when you think of other big Imagine Things. at Sundance watching this. <laughs> oh, I know. Would have been I'm bringing my digital. Yeah. You bring the candle, we good. This, yeah, this would have been the perfect Sundance movie if they didn't want it for Insane. the awards season, which I get yeah. they wanted yeah. it for the yeah. awards season. There's a comfort in watching broken people overcome yes. the things that broke them. Yes. And I, I think it's, it's just there's there's something really sweet to that too. So even if it isn't necessarily by his definition of cozy wow. movie, and I, I'm I, made very cozy by it. Yeah, sure. you can't have a movie end in that way and have a character kind of go through that much of a like shift in perspective and behavior and and do a thing that's so outside of what they've ever done in their life and not describe that as kind of like a comforting thing that it's like that you've watched this person yeah. kind of like go through such a thing and you're worried about their future, you're concerned for them. But it's still beautiful. It's nice. And like, yeah, you tear up and it's cozy. It's, you know, it's a good it's thing. It's emotions. Yeah, it's a yeah. good thing. I would hey, never describe a that. Hallmark movie as cozy because it wouldn't make me feel cozy. It would make me feel annoyed. Right. So. Shout out to that. Cheers. To the, to the Jim Beam out there. Um, Divine Joan Randolph. I, I know that yes. we're going to still talk about it again when it gets brought up. So we'll, we'll leave her as the cliffhanger there. But, but if he wins, Bradley Cooper's going to kill that man. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's already getting gunned by fucking Gyllenhaal for just taking the movie in the first place. They were going for that. crazy. For which one, Maestro? Yeah, yeah. Gyllenhaal wanted it. That was Gyllenhaal's oh, dream I gotta to hear play. this. All right, was, this is a whole nother discussion. That was That's Gyllenhaal's crazy. dream, Bernstein. Maestro. Hey, Holdovers, the movie that keeps on giving. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Divine is fantastic. I don't think we're talking about it again, though, because it was my number eight. So like, I think yeah. now we're done with it. Unless, yeah. yeah get out all your Zach? Holdovers thoughts now. Yeah, Holdovers is my eight. And my Where's number nine. Present? Or my seven. My, yeah, no, my eight. My eight. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. And yeah. I had it in my top 20. Dude, it's one of those ones that's Divine Joe Randolph. Okay, we got to pay yeah. our respects. She was fantastic. Yeah. The heart of the movie. She's the heart of the movie. She's got this, she, this yeah, underwhelming pa like power to her. Overwhelming, not underwhelming. On the rewatch, I, I noticed she has this whole arc about touching and being touched. Yes. That is played so beautifully. And, and the final <sighs> beat of that is just so touching. Ugh. 
I, I watched this movie with my parents uh, when I visited them recently, and I showed them all my favorite movies from the year. This mm. was my mom's favorite. She really, really responded Aww. to it. Such a, nice. such a sweet nice. movie. Hey, so Divine good. So Good in this? She Look, did. she came out on skates in those six episodes, five episodes? She already <laughs> did. That's what I mean. She was already clean. Mm-hmm. She was a little lifty in that idol, last like, one. She came out clean. Yeah. She came out clean. Her and, her, her and Rachel, she, she, clean. She's great. She's been great. I mean, even last year, it just it to me, it's the uh, the range that she has. Mm. Not just the holdovers, but the Lost City of D before they dropped the D. She mm-hmm. was incredible in that. Yeah, Dolomite act- is the reason why she got this role. Like she she's is good. fantastic. She's fantastic. She's an actress who completely disappears into her parts, and like yes. her her accent work. Some Buster. people like really lean so heavy into the Massachusetts Boston Dude. accent, and it's it's just yeah. layered in there. It's it's just not about Jenna Ortega. The finest kind. We got finest kind. Yeah. Uh, no, just through and through, man. What, what a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, and, and honestly, given how much we've just been like pouring out our love for it, a little crazy that it's only number eight for Amanda, nine for me, and not even under I just, 10. I, need, I feel like I need to revisit it again. Yeah. It's just one of those. That I feel like for whatever reason, there's so many strong movies from the beginning of this year that I haven't yeah. been able to let go Good of. Year. So there's just still things that are moving around. But mm. yeah. A strong movie year, too. So, yeah, again, my number nine. So we're back to Arturo for his number nine. That's the end of the Holdovers video. Um, <laughs> back to it. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to put the Holdovers at number nine. <laughs> I got Spider-Man across the, the Spider-Verse. Uh, nice. We're going to talk about I've, that Look, I have been very yeah. big on uh, Spider-Man 2 being one of the best, and I never thought that anything would get this close, and it, it is right there with it. it I only have one gripe with it, and that is the ending. I know people yep. have this push and pull, and many arguments are always just because they're, they're really big fans of it, so they're going to overlook anything that comes with it. Months pass, and then it turns out, if you know how to read, that they did it because they were pushing people a little too hard with the animation, and that's what caused it to stop. We all remember when it was first announced and, and how they were going to roll it out. Look, it still doesn't change the fact that something can have a cliffhanger like that. It still hit on all cylinders, not just as an animated movie, not just as a superhero movie, but something that is genre-defining mm-hmm. and also generationally defined totally. with what this movie has become. Mm-hmm. I hope it's on y'all's list. It's yeah, it is, and it keeps moving around. I think it just moved down like two spots, but I don't know. It's, <laughs> well, I've got it at number eight it's, it's on swing. my list. It's swinging. Yeah, <laughs> you have got it at number eight on my list, so that okay. that was gonna oh, be my beautiful. next thing Let's that go. I mentioned. There's uh, a lot I, of animations this year that are really good. TMNT has been fantastic. Uh, Boy and the Heron. Yeah. Respect but to it. TMNT, TMNT it's good. took it, it's, good. its inspiration from Spider-Man, and that's the, yeah. that's what I'm giving it its props I, for. It's the only animated talk studio. About it. It right, it like, used to be Pixar, and yeah. now everything is like, oh yeah, they're so they're Spider-Versing it. It and became a verb. Yeah, and yeah. I get it because it's like if if the, they've officially hit the point where the 3D animation, the way that they've been doing it, is boring. It's tired. It looks cheap, and it feels cheap. They Very took the few risk. studios are doing anything. Spider-Verse yeah. is doing that blend of the 2D, of the comic book, of the 3D, of all of these different styles and it's changing so dynamically all the time and every character has their own mm-hmm. individuality every single one there's not a single character that's left out and it all comes together so well and then the story is good too so it's like it's backing itself up on all fronts and then you get the tmnt movie being like okay we've done the cheap tmnt animation for the show and stuff we can kind of take that and take a little bit of the pizzazz of spider-man we don't have that much talent in our staff right now not that they're not talented but like they don't have the budget they didn't have the spider-man budget but they, you know, they, they, you can tell that's where they took their inspiration from. 
And now it's like the Disney and Pixar stuff feels really tired. Yeah. Well, the, you know, all, all the Pixar stuff, they were able to push yes. the photorealism to a point mm-hmm. and the 3D animation to a point where all they're doing is trying to like make the uncanny valley smaller and smaller yeah. and smaller. That, and I don't like that. that <laughs> like the, and now they're pushing to the degree where it's they're lost. Yeah, and they're exactly. Lost. And so now the most interesting thing you can do is kind of just intentionally go the other direction. And yeah. how how fucked up can we make this movie look? How how abstract can the backgrounds wish wish. be? Can they be yeah. paint like dripping That's, watercolors yeah, instead of like solid objects? Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous that this is the hundred year anniversary of Disney and the movie that they put out for their like, this is our defining thing. We're gonna try to blend the 2D with the 3D. It looks like shit. The story is shit. The songs are shit. The whole fe- thing feels yep. like it was put together by AI. And there's a really good argument that a lot of it probably was. <laughs> and then you've got Sony. Sony who fucks everything up. Doesn't even have a streaming <laughs> service everything. of their own. Everything. 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 And, and consistently, anytime that they get involved in things, that's the reason why it starts falling apart. I got my amazing Spider-Man thing behind me. They're the reason why that derailed. And then it was something about this being animated that they were like, yeah, sure, just do whatever you want. And then it was right? good. What other studio almost had us on the brink of war? Then Sony's the interview. <laughs> there you, you know, like... Just, and and they and let then him you, get away with the yeah. best animated movie of the year. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you that it's a pretty exceptional year for animated movies. I still feel like Spider-Verse kind of stands on a tier above all of them. Does. Given the, agree. its blend of, like, anim, animated ingenuity and just really mm-hmm. creative yeah. character storytelling. It's funny. It's fun. It moves. The way it uses IP is is clever yes. and, and innovative so rather than reductive or, or just like a repeat of things that mm-hmm. previous movies did better. But like, don't you love that nostalgia? Yeah. Uh, and how I, it engages I, with the, the canon event, the idea of canon events and things that you expect to see in yeah, stories. It's and it deconstructionist. Fans, yeah, and that fans get upset Very when good. it's not there. So it's like, okay, well, I, we're going to acknowledge it. We're going to go there, but we're going to take it yeah. in a direction that they've, we've never done. And like, how can you not love that and appreciate that? Like, I, If any other animated movie w- wins this year, I'm actually going to be really upset. I don't care that Miyazaki came back. <laughs> good for him. You're great. You're Elemental. a legend. You're a legend. No. That would be yeah, the funniest like, outcome. Fucking elemental be beating might. both Miyazaki in this. Thing. That's the sad See, thing. It might because we know how they vote for the Oscars. They just yeah. look at Clearly, the studios. You haven't logged Maybe. into Netflix and seen Adam Sandler's Leo. And that's why you're speaking this way. And <laughs> yeah, I understand right. it. I I'm understand sorry. it. You know, I, it came correct. out during the, b- right. the busy respect season. The goats. But it's yeah, an incredible movie. If, if you could just yeah. put a little respect on his name. you know, I know you don't like these turtles over here. I do actually. I did like that movie. It's just when you're talking about the animated category... And you're taking everything about this a movie different. that goes into this is doing something different. It's doing it amazing, and somehow it wound up itself from the last time it did it. And the Jason st- Schwartzman and the story, yeah, Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it, it's everybody is firing on all cylinders in that piece of media. There is not other again other than that ending feeling a little bit half-assed. And honestly, Dune, Dune did that too. It's really, it's all gonna. I feel like our feelings on this movie might change depending on what happens in the next installment. I that's will the try thing. to have. I'd be curious to revisit our lists like five years in the future, however many years it takes them to animate this next one, because who knows at this point. it's supposed to come out in three months, remember? (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thank you. And that's all I'm saying is that I can tell why they stopped it. Right, I still right. think the movie, even if the, the, and this is kind of what we did with TV when we were talking about judging a season for its season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am judging this installment, number two, as its own installment, and it did mm-hmm. not have an ending. If totally. you look at all the through lines, them, I, I know the defense, they get their team by the end. It's the same freaking team they had at the first. Be yeah. for real. 
Be for real. <laughs> the reason they had it is because they had to stop the animation because they were already yeah. overworking them. I will even say, this discussions of AI, I've seen the behind the scenes. Look, we pick and choose when we're against AI. Oh, I know. They did use a little bit here. <laughs> We're just not ready to say. It's there's I kind of killed it though. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Be, yeah, there's a difference between using AI to like enhance something that you're already capable of doing on your own, and then I literally agree. being like, "Here's yeah. a theme I want it's, for a song. Write me lyrics." For sure, I agree. Right. It's and like I think that's what we're starting versus like supplementation. I think. Yes. Yeah. It, it's the new CGI, right? Like obviously that is computer generated stuff. That's what AI is going to end up being. Um, it's just shut up, Ken Powers. In. Yeah. yeah. The, the the thing is, like, they actually have a story that makes sense. They have a story that is connected with people. Yeah. I'm glad we all agree. It is easily the best one. The only other recommendation I will give here, I'm not doing two movies per, but Spider-Man, <laughs> Across the Spider-Verse number nine, shout out Nimona. If it were to yeah. lose to anything, it'd be Nimona for me. Yeah. That's another great one. Um, yeah. Cool. Just to circle back to the whole idea of the ending, you know, like, from our current vantage point at the end of 2023, we don't know if this is, like, The Empire Strikes Back or some other movie that had a really disappointing sequel, you know, like, so mm -hmm. yeah. it, it will, we'll find out how unsatisfying that ending feels in the long run. But I agree with you. Like it it's just doesn't movie, right? feel complete. And that's one of the reasons why, even though like I loved every single frame of mm -hmm. this movie, I don't have I am, it higher up on this list. Yeah. I am still very impressed with, I do think we get a really good character development through Miles. And, and I do think even if it doesn't yeah. necessarily Fantastic. get the, it's a great, I still think it's an arc. I think there's an arc there. I think there's growth and I think there's enough You're there for me to be like, yeah, I'm happy with his progression. Whereas like the overall story might need, still need is ending. I do think we at least got an arc in there that kind of not completed, but like, sh like shifted. We got the shift. The Spider-Man learned his lesson, is learning a lesson, is figuring out his place. And yeah, so that's why I think for me as of right now, it's, it's in six. Ooh, so okay. we probably will, it was higher, but we will not need to talk Nine. about it. Yeah, we've kind of said quite a bit about it. We also so already have a whole hour-long breakdown of it on the so, channel already. Yeah, that's true. Zach, you had it at? Oh, yeah, with Amanda, too. Number eight. Hey, at the end of the day, I find it hilarious that this movie has instigated so much debate and talk between people who gave it five stars and people who gave it four and a half. Yeah, I know, <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's, that's who's saying. yelling at each other. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so that's was, crazy. Yeah. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is Arts number nine. It's my number eight. It's all the way up at Amanda's number six. But we've already found out my number eight and found out number Amanda's number eight is Holdovers. So we are back to art, art for his number eight. Zach's doing a Lord's Who's work your number nine? so jumbled today. Asteroid my City. number nine was Holdovers. Holdovers, was Asteroid right? City. Yeah. Did we She's take shots? What's going on here? Okay, at number eight. <laughs> I'm ready. I don't have a number eight. How? Man, you have... 40 honorable mentions. How do you not have a number eight? Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, I do have a number eight. My number eight is a thousand and one. Ooh, solid okay, choice. I'm really glad that you mentioned this. This was going to be I one had, of the ones that I yeah. had in my uh, hidden gems. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. This had to make the cut easily. A thousand and one is one of the two movies of this list that I ended up uh, not seeing it at theater. We saw it all together. We were True. watching yeah. it. I was so invested into this that there was one point in the story where I was like, oh, yes, things are finally turning out well. Zach looks at me and he goes, bro. Yeah, me and Zach you, had the same thought. Me and no, Zach were instantly and I'm like, like. so in there. I'm like, yes. I'm like, I'm finally on Finally, things are going well. I know what's happening here. I was swept up, bro. Yeah. This movie has what I consider one of the most underrated performances uh, from Tiana. Tiana Taylor. Taylor? Yeah, Tiana Taylor. Yeah. Tiana Taylor. It has some of the best cinematography, just hearing the behind the scenes on how they recreated New York, not mm -hmm. just with the outfits, which 
every single time jump had them looking slick, had them looking of the time. But there was a specific run she does where she's going to like the the, the telephone and they're like, oh yeah, that was the exact same street. We just filmed it in different ways. I'm like, damn. There is a future here for the director of this movie who I know has been winning some of the awards. Yeah, A.V. Rockwell killed it. The only thing that I have against this movie is that Tiana's going full out. Mm. And some of the performances from the supporting cast kind of left her out in the open. Luckily, it it comes from some of the kids. And I guess you can give it a little bit of leeway there. Mm. That's really when it's noticeable. But uh, no, I thought the, the way that they were able to capture the time period, the story without spoiling too much of it, I felt like a lot of people were pitching the spoiler right up right off the bat. And I'm like, nah, yeah. that's a third act reveal mm-hmm. that's supposed to be a gut punch. Everything about this movie, I think, hits on all cylinders. I absolutely loved it. It is on Amazon Prime now. I remember saying it was a Prime movie and then it never got released on Prime. It did. After a long time, they kind of did the uh, killer's rollout. Mm. It is definitely worth it. A secondary pick here would be Story Avenue. I think it's a good double feature. Yeah, right there. yeah it is. Uh, so 1001 in Story Avenue. Really good picks to have, but I'm locking this one in with Tiana Taylor, someone who I'm rooting for to be a top five finalist. Mm-hmm. Deserves it. Yeah, Going through. It, it, it's just a shame that it is one of those movies that it feels like has been almost entirely overlooked by various awards bodies. And I think it got a little love from maybe the Gothams or something a like little. that. Yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, like it, it, I think perhaps if they save the movie for award season and don't put it out in March or perhaps if people just like are willing to yeah, remember some of these yeah. smaller indie movies that release earlier in the year, then Tiana Taylor would really huh? be in these best mm-hmm. actress discussions and completely randomly Gary Gunn should be in the oh, best yeah. score discussion. Score? That's yeah. score, oh, man. That's a top five score that's of the year for, me for sure. Yeah. That's why we got the Intercut Podcast. We talk mm-hmm. about all those little things, all the things that critics who went to these festivals eight months later go, hey, this is a really good movie. We got you from the jump. Yeah. 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 We got you. I, I wish it was getting more love, but I think you're right. The The fact that they, they released it really early kind of hurt it because that's a gamble you could have a um everything everywhere where you mm. where mm-hmm. you do release it early and it gets love all the way through but with something as small as this sadly it did get lost in the mix but i stand by it top 10 for yeah. me nice. definitely all right so arts number eight is a thousand and one let's go to amanda for her number seven okay this is the first time i'm pulling the arturo zarita cheat <laughs> let's go i'm doubling <laughs> these up because they're both comedies and i saw them at the same yes, film sir. festival it's Theater uh-huh. Camp and Rye Lane. Oh, I okay. Cannot, hey, I don't, shout out to you because everyone who put Rye Lane has just completely forgotten about it. I know, and I so hate shout that out they the forgot about it. They're, they just, I don't think they gave, they just didn't promote this movie enough. I've been trying to talk about it like wherever I can and things and trying to get people to watch it. And I just don't know if it got enough of the wide rollout because it was like a Disney slash Fox slash Searchlight. Yeah. So Hulu, here it's Disney. Yeah. Overseas, it's Disney, but that means it took them longer to get it on Disney. It's this whole thing. But Rye Lane is just this, like, beautiful little movie of these people just going through this city, getting to know each other. And and, and the way it's shot, it's so vibrant and it's genuinely funny. But then you get these little nods of these people in their backgrounds. You get these little glimpses into these other lives around them. So the whole world just feels really rich. But it is, it's genuinely funny. It, it, it was one of those ones I always say, like the highest praise I can give it is that I saw it in a very full 
press screening at Sundance True. and they clapped and they were laughing the whole way and they clapped at the end and press never likes anything or at least they never yeah. want to show that they like anything. <laughs> they never, they, you know, I like yeah. I saw Portrait of Lady on Fire in press and like I'm sitting there crying and people are shuffling out and I'm like, what is wrong with you? And you know, <laughs> all those people are like, this is the most beautiful piece of cinema, but they wouldn't let themselves feel it in the moment. People yeah. were feeling Rylane. But then we got yeah, this. Yeah, you go, you go. Rye this Lane. is a movie that you and I uh, saw in person, Rye Lane. Yes. And we made sure art went to yes. an actual theatrical screening of it. I was about to say, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. yeah, we had digital screeners for this. And you're like, no. no. <laughs> Amanda dropped me <laughs> off. Like, it was about to start storming. Like, you're going to watch this? Yeah, right, I'll like, pick I'm you up at eight. I'm driving for the first time in the States. So we're going. <laughs> <laughs> making sure everybody uh, gets to the it, movie. It, and it missed that in its, in its rollout. That's yeah. what I was going to say next, and, and, and I think that speaks to what Amanda is saying, that it maybe just didn't get the push, didn't get the love that it should have, is that, like, it is such a great movie to experience yeah. in a crowd. Not at, yeah. not only is it a huge, hilarious crowd pleaser, but again, like Amanda was saying, it is a beautiful it's movie. Beautiful. The the use of fisheye lenses, the the colors chosen, like, I, I look, I've been to London, and not all those seats are, streets are quite that picturesque. No. Uh, but the, the Rain, Rain Morris... Just picked amazing. Is it even the fisheye, or is it just a lens that's so wide that it ends it, up? She did say that. Yeah, she was very pr particular on that. And to it, me, that just showcased how good of a yeah. filmmaker she is. Yeah. So but it's, it's yeah. again, we're we're dealing with like the the terminology in it. It it gives it's, you the effect it of it. It gives you the it effect is. where it like really brings the subjects into focus, and then yeah. but the, and that wraps it, around the world. But it doesn't make you like all woozy. Hurt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't feel like because you say fisheye sometimes, and people are like, "I can't watch that." And I'm like, they get disgusted yeah, by it's it. Not yeah. Yorgos it. It's not Yorgos Lanthimos fisheye. That's exactly. It's a not little like bit that. like being on a carousel through London or something. Yeah, and I, that's I made exactly. a mistake before. It's a uh, Rain Allen Miller is the director. Yes, Rain Allen Miller. Yeah, so that one was really fantastic. Um, but then there's also Theater Camp. Which Another one is that got the same treatment, huh? Just and I've been trying with that one too. It's so fucking funny. I these guys like, watched it three uh, times at did. Sundance we as kept, if we didn't have eighty movies to watch. Everyone was like, "Y'all got another digital screener? Who's got theater camp still live?" You know, because it was—it's just so easy and fun to put on. So it's like this mockumentary of a theater camp where the uh, the owner and founder ends up having a sh like a stroke, a seizure, and then goes into a coma so that her son has to take over for the summer. And they were already planning a documentary around this, so it's this whole new and it's like Jimmy Tatro. That's so yeah. funny. And then you've like, got Ben Platt, you've got Molly Gordon, you've got Noah Galvinson, and it's, they're so All of them good. giving the funniest performances of their career. Funniest performance of their career. And like Quite so possibly. many great one-liners, like every, like get off the stick. Do you want to be the Lance Armstrong of theater? Just, and the kids are What's a straight all, play? Yeah, what's a straight play? Uh, so that would be, you know, but I was like, well, what's a gay play? <laughs> what's, what's a gay? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a musical. It's so good. Everybody's so good. And the performances are really good. And watching how like, this half-assed lie of a final song comes together to be an actual final song is so it's satisfying. amazing that, that's true movie mm -hmm. magic it's a, it's it a magic is. trick like it shows you something terrible and it's, then you reveals it to be beautiful it, yeah it's crazy i love it and no nominations and none yeah i'm actually really upset i really wanted campus at home it's so good um, so I love that. Those were both two joys. We were lucky enough to catch the world premiere of that. So we got the actual live performance from the kids, which was extra hilarious. They're Accurate all really line. good. It feels Follow. like it, it's, it feels like it belongs in like a, tr I've said this, like the third movie doesn't exist yet, but it feels like it's like a spiritual sequel or like a, like a duology with school of rock. 
Mm. It, you know, what School Fair. of Rock was to a rock camp or like just kids who play rock music. This feels like that equivalent to like a theater camp, even though like this is a mockumentary versus that just being a regular narrative film. But it's like when they people find this? together. I know like I, I, all my friends here are theater kids, so I've been making sure they watch it and they're all really enjoying it. Doing the Lord's work. Doing the, I try like and yeah, like this is one. It probably deserves its its own like independent video, but it's like so hard as one person sometimes. But yeah, so, same with Rye Lane. They both kind of deserve their own things, and it's, it's yeah. Harder. <clears throat> it's also difficult with comedies because like the comedies speak for themselves. They do. So yeah, that's why it's you know? really hard. I I love Zach's Bottoms video because um, I thought that was just really um, just like an amazing way to to handle that, and it went deeper Thanks. in certain ways and then i tried to do kind of like i'm like i'm trying to tell people to watch bottoms without telling people exactly what happens in bottoms when people come to my channel to find out exactly what happens in movies but i'm like that's not what if you don't want that in a comedy you, you have to go through yeah. it yeah yeah like yeah. what am i gonna do just sh i'll show you some of the funny clips i'll show you the yeah. i'll sh show you stay but off you the stick but i can't it's show just a you. video of the roller coaster you gotta ride it yeah and, th and that's another one so io debris in that one too and mm. uh she's, there you go. she's having a great year so that's fantastic like fantastic, her whole thing yeah. it's all like what what is it and they're all going all flowery she's like no like in an actual definition way what is this <laughs> you know what else she's in <clears throat> yes tmnt she's had a great year she's had a really good year i didn't a dislike tmnt by the way I, she's in both videos yeah letterbox keeps track of the how often you see certain actors and mm -hmm. stuff She's actually leading my 2023 list of the actor I've seen to. the most. I've seen her in six different movies. Six Damn. different movies, and then theater camp up. ten times. So, <laughs> like I was, I was recently rewatching it on a plane, um, and the person behind me was like, like I could tell they were like, she was like the person in that seat. Every time I would kind of like look around, she was like locked in on my screen, and I was like, let's go, crazy, let's go. I I remember we were driving to the mountain resort. We passed <laughs> Zach the Ox, and it was just a digital screener of uh, theater camp. <laughs> As it should be. So yeah, that's great. That's why combined, those are my seventh ranked movies because they both yeah, deserve I like it. more I'm love. Glad. They both deserve so more happy. love, you know. And I couldn't pick, so I'm all both for funny. it. Yeah. My next three picks are. <laughs> <laughs> I opened the floodgate for him. Fuck. Yeah, just to making my life difficult for the the graphic design department, but it gives us a chance making to celebrate it better more good for movies. the intercuties. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like. You know, we're going long on a lot of these movies, but it's just because it is such an excellent movie year that it, it's hard to, like, contain your enthusiasm for it. You mentioned something in a Weekend Once Watch, I think, about this being one of the best years for movies since 2019, and I was a little iffy on it. Mm. But considering that we not, we're not even halfway through, I think I think it's the case. All right, so we're back after some technical difficulties. Got some, some daylight with us, but a lot more movies to get through. I think we had just heard Amanda's number seven as a tie between Rye Lane and Theater Camp. Uh, we're going to go to my number seven next, which is Origin, the upcoming Ooh. film from Maybe DuVernay. I think a lot of people still haven't had a chance to see this one yet. I caught it back in Toronto and was really, really swept away by its vision of a writer sort of in this academic pursuit of her thesis, it feels like a, an investigative journalism movie, like a like a spotlight style movie, but about mm -hmm. Isabel Wilkerson, the per person who wrote the book that this film is based on, and her pursuit of her dev of developing her theory around caste systems. She travels the world researching her theory. It's a film that 
hops across continents and goes back and forth through time and it's able to connect all these different ideas and cultures and people and, and it's a film that like has these amazing sequences where they will cut from Jews having their heads shaved in concentration camps to slaves being transferred through the Middle Passage to the Dalits in India cleaning the sewers by hand and somehow it all just feels like of a place and connected and just so moving and evocative and, and convincing. And I, I think it's really just a monumental achievement for someone like DuVernay, who has made a career out of kind of focusing on different issues around racism and stuff in, in many of her films. But to me, this is her at her apex. I think it's using all of her talents mm -hmm. and combining them in a way that I don't know if there's anybody else I would trust with making a film like this one. I think it's really remarkable. I think it's a shame that we haven't seen more people embracing it because this is just one of the movies that left me with my jaw on the floor this year. Uh, and Art, I know you responded pretty strongly to it as well. 11. Mm. I've just missed the cut. <clears throat> it was I haven't right seen there. it yet. I haven't seen it yet. So it's... that's why... Yeah, it's I'm a heavy excited. hitter. I mean, it's it's not coming out over here, at least for us, until deep into January, 15th, mm -hmm. 17th, around there. People yeah. have been talking about how, you know, it hasn't won some stuff in award places, which is, you know, it's a competition. Maybe it won't win, yeah. but it's the idea of it not selling out. And for me and for Zach, we were at the exact same screening at the beautiful uh, Roy Thompson Hall, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. at Toronto. Ooh. I got my tickets the day of. And as y'all mm -hmm. know, since we've been to Toronto, you boot it up. Days leading up to it to figure out what you can get. Tell me why on that day it was showing up as sold out for days. And on the day of the movie, there was so much stuff open. I don't know if they like they had not stuff sold aside. them. But why hold them? I'm not getting into conspiracies. <laughs> There's something wrong with Roy Thompson. Because the same weird. thing happened to me with dumb money. However it happened. It gave me a fantastic, beautiful seat for this movie. I was sitting right in the front center. Ava DuVernay was there. She got to talk about it. And I nice. agree with Zach. It's my number 11 pick. It's really close there. It is right above another movie where a journalist, writer, adapted uh, a book that ended up becoming his also very satirical take on ah, um, race in America. Yeah, I know yeah, it's yeah. going to be brought up a little bit later, so I'll keep that there. But both movies do a very interesting thing of being able to take this concept of, you know, for, for many people, you know, they watch movies, they call them woke, they, you know, they're, they're, they, they'll call out racist elements of things. And this is a film that as much pushback as I've seen to it, it's a little confusing because sometimes they'll critique the idea of taking a book that's a case study and then mm -hmm. making it a drama. But so was Killers of the Flower Moon. That's a case study of the FBI. And they were able to turn that into a movie. Mm -hmm. there, there's been several other takes that we've been seeing that are nonfiction books that are able to now have a narrative. Mm -hmm. She blows it away with this one. I think it's her best shot movie. I think Anjanou Ellis kills it in the Amazing. role. Amazing, yeah. And above it all, this this is like a movie that people are saying is, is so generic in what it's trying to cover, when in reality, the movie begins with her saying, I don't want to be hired to do another piece for what ends up being the inciting incidents at the beginning of the movie. Very big Ooh. moment in time. And she's like, I don't want to just be the person who writes about race and everything being racist and everything being this. And it's like a lot of the people who I feel have complained about this have just assumed what the movie is, not realizing that it's talking well beyond 
miss uh what, what's it called um Microaggressions. Micro- microaggressions. Oh, microaggressions. Okay, cool. That's something she calls out in the movie. It's like everyone just wants to default to something being racist. What if it's beyond that? And it's like, bro, this is having the conversation that everybody needs to hear. And like Zach was breaking down, this woman travels to different places while also withholding her own narrative of what's going on with her husband, what's going on in her life, and then going to places where she's not wanted or they don't want to hear what she has to say. There is a big moment halfway through where she makes a connection. This woman picks up a book off of looking at a picture and figures out something in American history that connects to stuff overseas. I took it as uh, the, the, the lady who she's arguing with about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Disrespected her so bad, she took it personally. And you get <laughs> what is what is not just one of the best movies, but what really is a defining uh, uh, breakdown of the caste system. And it's, yeah, people were saying that yeah. it's like a PowerPoint presentation and such. And yeah, there are some moments where she does bring out a whiteboard for herself. Uh, there are moments where you do see all the books around her, but it's like almost putting the sources of everything that she's investigating right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is one that uh, will stand the test of time because of what it's discussing, because of its approach, and especially because of its performance. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people, like you're saying, are, are sort of quick to dismiss it because it's about these academic ideas and it's not necessarily like very story driven, if that's the words you want to use uh, use for it. But to me, it's almost like a sports movie, right? Like where you're seeing this person gotta like, accomplish it. Yes. perfect her craft and work at it and ha- meet the, sometimes she succeeds, sometimes she fails. And Ultimately, she has to like push through and persevere and come out on top in the end. And, and, and it just happens to be instead of about like baseball, it, it's about cast <laughs> systems. And I it's think the it's the money ball of cast. Right, right. I, I, I just thought it was so fascinating and so beautifully done. And hopefully it's a film that people will be able to catch up with. I think maybe because it showed up a little later in the year, it was like a late addition to uh, TIFF as well, that maybe some people just like felt like they finalized their lists before they caught this one, but it it absolutely deserves a spot on there. Yeah. I think I made a very poor choice. I could have ran and probably caught origin. And then I decided to watch aggro drift. (laughs) Yeah. But content though, you you definitely get more content out of aggro. It was for content. (laughs) They're very similar. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. (laughs) I could both about, both about America's flaws, right? The original (laughs) flaws of America. Anyway, I have origin at number seven. Art, it missed out his top 10 just by one on number 11. But Art, what did make number seven on your list? Poor Things, the newest one by Yorgos Lanthimos. It has what I consider one of the best performances of the year as we're breaking down everyone's categories as we lead up to the Oscars and our Intercut Awards. I think Emma Stone is fantastic in this movie. Mm -hmm. I know that there has been so many debates, so many discussions about the movie and its themes and such, but yeah, just like every other movie that's out there that's talking about female-centric themes, this one has the star also as the producer. And I think that's one of the biggest things that a a lot of people forget when discussing this movie, on like who has the authority to say it. And to me, if you were to swap out Yorgos with a female director, and if that automatically gives you all that praise, that's mm-hmm. pretty goofy in my opinion. <laughs> there are things that this movie doesn't talk about that people are mad it didn't talk about. Then they praise another movie that also doesn't talk about those things. So it's not really, uh, you know, 
it feels like nitpicking many times uh, for what it's going for. We actually had a very interesting discussion because we were kind of split between two of Yorgo's works. Mm. I think we have both given the inverse between Amanda and I of Poor Things and The Favorite. I think so. Two movies that has Emma Stone at the center having to sexually satisfy others who are very whiny supporting characters that then push her to be able to find herself. Mm -hmm. They're the exact same movie. I don't hate them. Well, a little different. They're a little different. I don't hate Bella's Bella's enjoying herself. That's true. For the most part. Learns to after a while. I I think it's the opposite. It kind of sort of starts with her enjoying herself, goes away from it, and then comes back. Yeah. 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 She's she's so into it. I know, and that's baby weird. I know. People are trying um, to argue on that. People are being like, "No," and I'm like, "Guys, it's, stop! It's this is worst... not where we. This is not where we lose. That we're not, not. We're not arguing it's here." It's the worst consent discourse <laughs> since people argued about whether or not uh, Wonder Woman was doing some sort of assault by kissing the imaginary Steve Rod- or Chris Pine character. I don't know. That was also she had that Mando and Lifetime movies. After that was that. weird. That was weird. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> but. Why can't it just be weird? These are movies, yeah. all right? Yeah. So with it being a movie, they went a weird route. It I mean, it's a, a, it's a fascinating movie for sure. Mm. And and even if like, <laughs> so I think some of the feminism discourse around it is pretty funny because as we mentioned, the main character has a baby's brain. So we're not going to yeah. necessarily get to the deepest discussions in a two hour movie. But there are, even if, if like, it's not necessarily everybody's perfect vision of, like, a feminist statement. Like, Why does it have radical, to be? There's some pretty yeah. radical yeah. ideas in there as well. Like, the movie's treatment of sex work and the whole, like, consortium in France is, is pretty uh, interesting. And yeah. also just, like, that whole idea of um, her curiosity about the world turning yes. into, like, deep empathy and, and like, fear Horror or upset and, yeah. at the world. And yeah. I don't know. I, I I think there's a lot of really interesting elements to pull out of poor things. It's not yeah. my favorite Lanthimos, but I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it and, and have to agree with Art that like Emma Stone is giving the performance oh, yeah. of the year in it. It's truly like one of the great comedic performances I've ever seen. Yeah, Mark, Mark is Mark Ruffalo kills it in this whole ass into this. Yeah. There is, you know, if you were to look at this as being uh, Ken and Barbie, there mm. is a Ken here that is split in between two people. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo being the most toxic parts of Ken. And then our boy Rami Youssef being the nice, like way too nice in this movie uh, as being the supportive character. And like that's part of her journey yeah. and growing up. Um, I don't know. I loved the the path that they have her go on, all of the ups and downs and everything. I thought it was a really interesting yeah. journey to see somebody who isn't inhibited because of the circumstances of this crazy story and what she is. Yeah. That she's allowed to learn and grow and do all these things that uh, many times when you, you know, being in society or or not being, you know, the person who she is, is able to, she's able to go down a path that you don't usually see. And she interacts with things differently. And I, I found that to be fascinating. I thought it was a fantastic role. I think this is up there with Dogtooth. I think Dogtooth mm. still edges it out just a little bit. Nice. But I think Poor Things is fantastic and weird in all the best ways. Yeah. My my last thought on that, if I may, is... When the, with the baby thing, which is messed up, the thing that I do like about that aspect, not that I like that that's happening, but it's this really over-the-top way of showing that there are so many men out there that want to have these, like, controlling sexual relationships with women yeah. while also infantilizing them. Mm-hmm. They, they want to do the most adult things they can with them while also not wanting to give them any autonomy, not wanting mm. to, like, kind of respect them. And I know that that's what 
a lot of girls are really connecting with in this movie is that feeling of like these guys thinking you're perfect. And then the second that you are like, well, no, I'm going to like advocate for myself here. They start losing their fucking yeah. minds because no longer yeah. are you this perfect thing. That you're they only had... attractive when you're not a full person. That's exactly it. You're only attractive yeah, when you're not, not a full person. Yeah. So yeah. I fully get why like it's I can't necessarily explain why I didn't I just didn't like the experience of watching this movie I like so much of what it's doing I like so much of what it's going for even the stuff that's disturbing and screwed up that makes me think like that's kind of disturbing and screwed up I know it's intentional and they're not making the moral saying oh no that's fine yeah yeah no it's not fine that's the whole point it's not fine none of this has ever been fine I just didn't enjoy watching it so like when I say I'm too gay for this I didn't mean like there's too much straight sex You'll see later, one of my favorite movies of the year is very focused on just a straight couple kind of like going at it and just kind of having this weird dynamic. It's not that. I'm not a virgin. I'm not a sexless <laughs> loser, as some people want to Breaking say. Breaking news for the ticket at the bottom. You know, and I, I, and you know, it's just, and I think, it, yeah, there's just something about the movie. I'm going to watch it again, and maybe I'll enjoy it more the second time. I had no idea what I was going into watching this movie. I hadn't seen any previews, any anything. Uh-huh. I've just seen the pictures. So maybe having an expectation of what it is will right. help me appreciate it more. It's just, sure. it was done, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about what I just watched. So, and I know that I'm, in, and obviously it's a very good movie, and it's one of those ones I can see as a good movie. I'm just, if anybody You're else there feels, yeah, I'm like, if anybody else out there feels like they're crazy for not liking this when they're seeing all their friends, like, going, you're not crazy. There might be a reason. You're insane. Four <laughs> and a half insane. stars. Poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. But yeah. Um, what, what would be uh, y'all's favorite Yorgos? It might be deer. It might be deer. Really? Deer? Killing of a sacred deer? It might be killing of a sacred deer. I think I just refreshed. That's, that's I like way more insane than this. It is way more insane, but I feel like I had recently. What did I watch? I watched something that I was like, "This is like the bad version of that movie," and it made me appreciate Killing of a Sacred Deer. It yeah. is a lot, but it was something recently. It was something this year or last year. Okay. Um, Dogtooth obviously is like yeah. the is like the big one, but uh, yeah, I've I've come to really appreciate Killing of a Sacred Deer this year. I don't know why. Dogtooth's probably my favorite Yorgos, <laughs> and if we're just going from the English language ones. I think I'd still lean the lobster. I, I know there's some people mm. who don't really like nope. it, but I, I no, love fine, that man. movie. No, lobster's good. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm very excited to see what he has. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Poor Things makes number seven on Arturo's list. Amanda already told us her number six is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Mm. My number six is Past Lives, which I Ooh. have a feeling is going to show up a little bit higher on some other lists. But it? Yeah, mine is higher. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's an incredible movie here. So uh, I think we're back to art for his number six selection. Yeah, no, I agree. Because four things is a four and a half, and everything else above this are all four and a half. How do you have seven four and a halves? Couple of these, I had to, I rewatched them. I had to give it that extra half, and that includes my number six pick, Blackberry. Let's go! Ooh. All right, that was, um, that was, that's one of those ones. It's like duking out spots with people for this list. It easily oh, could have been on this so list. Good. It's so good. I've, every, I've rewatched it so many times. Easily, and that's and that's my point. These next mm-hmm. five, I consider to be just a little bit better movies, but we have to make a list because uh, our producer said we had to. <laughs> but Blackberry, I don't care where that is on on it, the spot does not matter. This is the movie that I would put on in a second. This is the yeah. movie that I would want to watch if someone somebody is over. It is briskly paced. 
It is funny. It's got the drama in there. It is never boring at any part. In fact, we've been talking about how AMC Plus, it's a, a streaming platform, <laughs> they had this whole like three night event where they were releasing it with the extra scenes. I have yet to catch that version. Yeah. But what we've gotten in the different iterations from South by yeah. to when I saw it in Chicago. Nah, I, I love it more every single time that I watch it. Uh, I think it's a fantastic view, not just that the BlackBerry and the product itself and how it was created in a year mm-hmm. where we've had air, Tetris, pinball, like you'll name yeah. it. Like what else we got? This handles it in yeah. a beautiful way because you can tell, uh, as uh, the directors also admitted, it is his psyche in three different ways. He mm-hmm. obviously plays one of them, the mm-hmm. guy who just wants to have fun. Yep. The one who's a perfectionist and then the financial one who's willing mm-hmm. to do anything that he needs to, to get the product done. And it's almost like his view on directing every time that he's making a project and those three different facets of him that are mm-hmm. fighting against each other. Waterloo line. Well, what, what can I say? <laughs> I, I wish he was getting more <laughs> recognition. The vampires Where the empires hang out? You know, the, I know so Toronto good. honored him and I'm like, hey, come on. But like, yeah, that's like my mom said, I'm the cutest one. Yeah, like, I know, yeah, I know like, Toronto's going to honor you, bro. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so good. I wanted good. to see him get some more, but it is a stacked year. And uh, I hope Blackberry's higher. I hope it gets mentioned again because it, it's one of the best of the year. It is literally just one of those ones that like was duking it out for spots on the list. And then you said it was on your 10. So I left it off my 10 just so that mm-hmm. we could get some other stuff because it is it's good. I think it is because we all saw it together, right? We did. We yeah, all were all right next to each exactly. other. It was right so there. cute. No. And that's when that we found out that it had already ended, changed, yeah. that it had already changed between the yeah. Berlin version and the version mm-hmm. we got. And that was so good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that it's a really interesting sort of, like, way for Matt Johnson to talk about himself through these characters, but it's also just really satisfying. It's also just really satisfying as a movie about compromising your own morals and ethics in order to get achieve more and more success until that kind of doesn't happen anymore. Does exactly the thing you were worried about, and your perfectionism won't just let you deal with it. <laughs> and that's one of the things that I think in this year where we've been inundated with the corpo pio pick, the corpo pick, whatever you want to call it, th- it's something that puts Blackberry like head over heels above all these other movies because it's really about stuff. It's not just about the product. Plus as Art mentioned, it's thrilling, it's suspenseful, it's mm-hmm. hilarious, it's dramatic. The acting is all really excellent, particularly Glenn Howerton who really should be in these best supporting actor discussions. It's just such a phenomenal performance. I got BlackBerry at number five on my list. I, oh, I had a beautiful. Damn, now go. I hate myself because it was literally <laughs> one of those ones. It was just duking it out. You know what you could do? What could I do? Tie it on the next pick. Uh, I also think that it shouldn't even count with Air that did have Nike like mm-hmm. on the payroll. Yeah, I don't yeah, think it should it count did. with Flame and Hot Cheetos. that Because that was a fake uh, story. <laughs> But it also had Fritos providing the it product. Did. Right. It right? Did. It's, the, it's the endorsed biopic, corpo pick versus the Tetris. non-endorsed one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then, and and then very these... specifically, not even that it, it's it's that he's openly saying, these are the bullet points and we're having fun in between. Yeah. I'm making yeah. a movie. And we all thought up. that dude must have been wearing headbands. I have not been able to find a single picture of no, that actual man Matt wearing Johnson. headbands because that's just Matt Johnson. He was like, I want yes. to wear headbands. 
So and that's hilarious. I, I, I don't see it counting as all of these other ones because it, it doesn't it's feel not. like it is the uh, the the product releasing the movie for the year. Yeah, it, right. it really does feel like he just decided to use it as a as jumping off platform. And the jumping yeah. off platform. Thank you. Yeah. So and it, it was a good story. <laughs> Yeah, it feels weird a little bit to put it this high because like this is a year with so many beautiful, Mm. artful Mm. movies from great auteurs. And this is just kind of like, this is like a movie ass movie, like the movie that you put on TNT at 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. But like those are great. Those are the ones that we return to a lot. I've returned Mm -hmm. to this film three times this year. And it's just incredibly entertaining, incredibly easy to recommend to people. And it totally deserves a spot on the list, if if you ask me. That's why I got it on my Even in in the way that it's filmed is also good, too, that he incorporated a lot of that way that he used to make like the skits and stuff where it's like, we don't know what the mm-hmm. camera is. We don't know what lens is pointing at us. Really we don't well know how shot. far away they are. The the dramatic zooms, like the mockumentary style without it being a mockumentary works for yeah, it yeah. so well. And then it does get the the tighter, better shots when it needs them. But it, it's just so, um, it just really pulls you into like what these people are going for. It's very, uh, and then the, the momentum, it never quits. The momentum's yeah, there the whole way. It's really Great good. Ending. Great ending, like so good. Just like that, well, yeah. and, it, and it ties it all back into the beginning. What's the yep. first thing that this dude has a problem with? A humming. What's the Beautiful. last thing this mm-hmm. dude? A yeah. humming. And then they don't have to make that up. That that phone actually was a disaster. Right. And I distinctly remember the shift of everybody defending the BlackBerry, and then suddenly they're gone. No one has a mm-hmm. BlackBerry. They don't exist anymore. They're an office joke. They're like, I have a BlackBerry because my boss makes me have one. Yeah. And that day's gone YouTuber? now too. Best YouTuber performance yeah. of the year, yeah. if not of the he decade. He was so good. It's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's great. How much Amazing are they paying stuff. you? I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Matt it's Johnson so definitely makes me want to like buy a long lens. He he uses it so satisfying. I know, right? Movies. Yeah. All right, so yeah. BlackBerry number six on Arts List. I had it at number five on mine as well. Before we get to the rest of the top fives, just a quick reminder that if you're enjoying this video on YouTube, like it, leave us a comment, consider subscribing to our channel. And if you're listening, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, whatever you use for podcatchers, but also remember to leave us that five-star review. It really helps boost the show. You can also support our show for as little as $1 a month by becoming a member on patreon.com slash intercutpod to help ensure we keep doing reviews, deep dives, movie brackets, film festival coverage. We got Sunday. It's coming up soon. And our best movies of the year list, just like this one. Let's get into the top five movies of the year. Amanda, why don't you kick us off? All right. Um, yeah, Art gave me the idea. So we're like, we're tying. We got two. You know, the, it's a strong year for yeah. biopics, telling stories, making them artistic, sure going in a direction you might not expect. So, you know, we're tying Blackberry with Oppenheimer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very comparable. Yeah, um, pretty much basically the same movie. It's the same movie. Brought the similar um, levels of destruction to the world. Yeah. And he had a double feature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Okay, Oppenheimer. I'm sure this is probably higher on someone's list. We're gonna talk about it yeah. more later. We're gonna, We're talk, gonna about talk about it more. I'll just say my my little my little piece in that. You know, I went into the the I was calling it the Oppenheimer double feature because I was starting with Oppenheimer and then ending with Barbie. There you go. I did not expect to like Oppenheimer as much as I did. I figured it would be good. I hated Tenet, but I figured this would be good. Well, I really rules. strongly dislike Tenet. I saw that in That's theaters. That's hate, bro. I That's hate. I couldn't <laughs> hear. It was That's bad. hate. Okay, yeah. 
I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't love it. But this, oh, I God. just thought that this was so interesting. So many different things they do in this movie are just so effective. And the pettiness of certain characters, there are so many like best of performances in this movie that like we're probably only going to see one person getting the nod for it. You can argue that maybe it's a little bit too long in areas, but no, I feel like this is a really well paced movie for how long it is and it never felt as long as it was. I never found myself wanting to be like, how long do we have left of this one? Because it is just firing on all cylinders we'll talk about it later but yeah oppenheimer is my number five with a uh, blackberry just kind of tossed in there as you know we are going to the rest of the number fives mine was blackberry so let's keep it going and hear what art had at his number five monster the new Corietta who's always going to make my list Every yeah. single time. And uh, this was one where the trailers looked fantastic. It premiered at Cannes and it had a, a very mm -hmm. eerie poster. Mm -hmm. Amanda came and reported about it. And she told us that that ending really hit hard and that it was going to take all these different directions. And it delivers in every way, shape, or form. You have to be weary about spoilers out there because I do think mm -hmm. that talking about the subject matter, the way that people want to promote it, is also going against how the movie is approaching those subjects. But yes. it is pretty much told in these different vignettes and where you have pretty much a mother and her child who uh, is really pushing against the school because an incident happened between the child and the teacher. And that ends up being like the last thing you remember by the end of the movie. But that's the inciting incident that causes her to go in there. And it's this idea of perspective. And this was a year where Toronto had a lot of those types of movies because that's where I caught it with mm. teacher's lounge and whose perspective are you going with? They also had it with, um, there was another one that also played where it was all about these schools and different perspectives. And I think the way that this one handled oh, yeah. it and what you get by the end of it was uh, really good. Really great performances from the kids throughout. Some eerie shots. This man has made dark movies where people have been like picking up kids who uh, are just left by the wayside. Mm -hmm. And this may be the darkest. So uh, uh, I would definitely put this one on your radar if you don't because it is easily one of the best movies of the year. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big sucker for the kind of like Rashomonic story style where like you yeah. see things from one perspective and then you see it from another and it kind of completely flips all the yeah. things that you saw before it. It's and they, they do it well. Like you hear a bell mm -hmm. in the distance in one thing and then you're like closer to it in the next thing. So you know exactly where on the timeline that event is falling in comparison to something you just saw really good yeah really good really effective and uh not surprising that uh, we got another great movie from Coriata. so monster it's a great pick at arturo's number five let's go back to amanda for her number four my number four is actually i gotta i gotta go talk to me i gotta do it Ooh, i gotta go i go. gotta go with talk to me this is just one of those movies it stayed with me all year um I, I love good I love a good horror movie. I love a good horror movie that kind of like infuses uh, other things and this just happens to be in that perfect style of horror that really works for me. I love that it's all crafted around this idea both of like addiction but then also 
social media and, and internet culture and how well and effectively it pulls that all together. Like this is the example of like you are YouTubers and you're really good at the type of thing that you might also want to critique. You're good at making that kind of content. And then you take everything you know and you put that into a movie and make it so interesting and, and riveting with great performances. And you maintain your, uh, your authenticity of turning down a higher budget mm -hmm. to work with mm -hmm. an American studio so that you can keep that production in Australia, where you're from, with the people that you're finding and giving those younger, those newer talents a chance to actually shine. Because now we're seeing Sophie Wilde in more things. The person who played, uh, Zoe Tarakis is in Marvel stuff now, or is going to be in Marvel stuff. Like, really, really great performances. And I love the integrity of, of sticking there. It, it's just stuck with me all year. And I, I made that video and it also resonated with a lot of people. And it was really one of those like indie massive successes of the year. It is A24's most profitable movie of the year. It is dwarfing and shadowing Crazy. all sorts of stuff that they would have expected to do better that I'm sure people here probably expected to do better. <laughs> uh, and I we've been saying since January that this is the exact type of project that A24 needs to start investing in. Again, A24 did not make this. It was already made. They picked it up for distribution. It was just a very smart distribution choice for them to mm -hmm. kind of get out of the idea of that like elevated horror box yeah. everybody wanted to put them in. This is outside that. It's still smart in a lot of ways, but it is very accessible compared to something like a Hereditary or a Midsommar. It's, yeah, yeah it's really good. It stuck with me. So it's, it's getting the number four spot. I like it. This was one that should have been in my top 10. I have it at 13. That I was the one it. that That's I had to honor right at the beginning. It's And like you said, their perspective is just so refreshing. Mm -hmm. This was yeah. a, a year in horror that you and I were talking about being a little disappointing for the big franchise yeah. stuff. Yeah, big franchise stuff. And even the stuff that people are this trying, delivered. the indie stuff, they're not, they're not, they weren't quite hitting. This, like, mm -hmm. everything hits. And yeah, some mm -hmm. people were confused about certain aspects. But I think it just leaves a lot of areas where you can talk about things or if somebody just says, no, it's supposed, this is what they're getting at. Then you see it and you're like, oh my God, that's so smart. That's great. Um, so they have more I think story. there was a, yeah, they have more, yeah, there's, they can go a lot of ways. I think it is an incredible ending. Is yes. Oh yeah. That's greenlit. Oh, the, we're, we're the sorry. ending is just it, It's so almost too good that I don't need another one. Though. I know. I agree. I agree with you in that, but I would be okay with them doing other like stories in the universe. But even if they want to do it. Because there's multiple hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's two. And I had people arguing with me about that and stuff. But that's what I mean. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to kind of debate about mm -hmm. different things for for this movie. I was literally like, no, 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 you're wrong. I'm like doing perspectives. I'm like, this is the angle of the hand. This is the this. So it has to be this. Just to prove I'm right. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's really fun. And it is really the ending for me that sells it. And I know that yeah. not everybody necessarily loved it, but I really do think it's one of those things. If maybe you just took like five minutes, to, like really think about what you don't like about it. And somebody maybe explained why you didn't maybe pick up on something. It makes it better, well, it's but also, it's also funny if you don't like it. I don't know if you heard, got these two in your review because I got it when I was talking about it as a festival recap. Mm. You only like it because it's YouTubers? God, no. <laughs> I, I probably did get it. Well, no, because I feel like I really stressed that I was like, this is like normally when right. you hear a YouTuber makes a movie, a it's god-awful. Yeah. Right. That's what I said that. Context. Yeah. 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 It's also the but very same like, festival where we all negatively reviewed Onyx the Fortuitous. So. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. It, but, you know, when I'm covering like 40, 60 movies, why did that particular one bother you? And then that's I when I really started getting into what a lot of people disliked about it. It was the hype. Yeah. I, can I can't wait for it. To, no, no. I, yeah, yeah. I can't wait for it to simmer down. So then the people yeah. who didn't like it realized that was really what they're pushing back on. And we yeah, go to a lot of these festivals. So we yeah. know the hype of like wanting to, 
not like something or wanting to over like something because we're there. Mm -hmm. This was like an aftermath. I got it a mm -hmm. lot with Hereditary when I came out raving about Hereditary at Sundance. Yeah. And people were like, yeah, you're just overhyping it. But then it was the introduction oh. to Ari Aster. And now yeah, everyone who now... talked to me is looking forward to the next pick. Talk to me was that next pick. And I know yeah. that for a lot of people, their first argument, like you said, is some little things that they weren't paying attention to. Yep. It doesn't have to be your cup of tea. It doesn't tea. have to be. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, a lot of them have been uh, just the idea of of uh, this was getting way too hyped and I preferred another horror movie. Which is fine. That's great. Exactly. Which is fine. Yeah. But this but not this a critique. Got, yeah, but this got hyped because it hit with people so because it's immediately. It's so So in good. due time, I think I think if people rewatch it without their end of the year list, I think they'll really like it. Because right now, yeah. people compete with movies and they diss other ones because they think these are all going to be nominated for Oscars and such. But Yeah, uh, and it's like it's I, not. That's why I'm hyping yeah. this up so now. This is not going to be in conversation for anything. Yeah. It, that, but that's that not why we but it's also why we watch movies differently. Yeah. We're here because we're highlighting what 10 years down the line we're going to enjoy. Yeah, not and I think what to we me want to I beat think out with somebody else. Yeah, Talk to Me has like it follows legs in my opinion. I think it's mm -hmm. in that same vein of horror where it's doing something a little bit different while still playing into what makes horror such a good genre to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um I love it. I think it is the best horror yeah. movie of the year. I think it's just yeah, in recent memory. It is the best horror movie of the year. Yeah. I it definitely is the best horror movie of the year. I would uh, put a third approval yeah. on that. It's funny or maybe appropriate that uh, you mentioned films like Hereditary and It Follows, other films that had like big hype generating debuts at film festivals. And, and then ultimately, maybe some audiences didn't feel like it lived up to the expectations, as Martin Art mentioned, that like mm -hmm. you put so high. It's like when you compare it to the Babadook and to Hereditary and stuff like, I don't yeah. know if it's like my favorite horror movie of the 2010s or, or 2020s or whatever. It's really good. And it's a really nasty piece of work. Wait, and I, I, and it's, it's like, it also really announces these guys as very interesting filmmakers. I think there's a, yeah. a level of craft yeah. here that is, is worth recognizing and celebrating because just some of the sequences are so uh, disturbing and thrilling. And I, I just think it's ultimately this, the, the like unreserved way in which they indulge certain nasty ideas here. Yeah. That, that and on sells like a $4 it to million me. Dollar budget, something like yeah, that. And like something like $4 million. They're very creative. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to do all that in a movie that isn't just like tasteless vulgarity, tasteless body horror, but mm -hmm. there's like themes, there's ideas, uh, there, there's really very strong, a really strong sense of like the the world that these characters live in. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I think there's a lot to really celebrate and talk to me. I didn't have it on my list, but uh, it is definitely my favorite horror movie of the year. Yeah, that, did that's you have totally it fair. as a top twenty thirty? I got it. Nine. I got a top twenty five, but it's that's just because this year is so hey, that's for good. For you, for you, that's good because like horror yeah. is not the thing you not gravitate my favorite towards. Genre, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I just think it's I think it's really good. I also do think it's an easier recommend than something like a hereditary or a Babadook. Yeah. Like a lot mm -hmm. of that's like the artistic people coming up being like, this is terrifying. And then you send a teenager to that. Yeah, and most teenagers like, are like goofing off half the movie. They're like Jenna Ortega in Scream 5, who <laughs> like to talk yes. about it being <laughs> yeah, a meditative you know? whatever. But even yeah, how Zach it, mentioned yeah. it, those movies cons were considered overhyped. Yeah. Time passes and all of a sudden that's the staple they have to go back to. Exactly. So those who just talk to me to hear them three, four years down the line talk about like, oh, you know, we haven't had a talk to me. Yeah. And the thing ha that same thing happened with it, it follows like it hit instantly for me. But other people mm -hmm. like I think it still has a pretty low IMDb score, which is that's where you normally see the lower things. Yeah. That I it's respect so and it's grown on me every single year. I love it. That every it hit me instantly new, and I still love it. 
and it's a, it's held That's enough horrible. dominance that it's getting its sequel. Um, for what is it? you they know, follow? they follow. They yeah. follow. That's raw, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I'm hoping for the best. But yeah, so that's why it's my my number four. It's kind of stayed with me for so long. And then I think that audiences did back it up. You know, people turned out for it, like legitimately. And if, even with overhype, if that many people keep showing up with it week after week, that it keeps staying in theaters week after week when it was supposed to get one of those limited run type things where every theater mm -hmm. should have seen it maybe for two weeks if you were lucky. And then it's in for like like a month or two in some places. That's awesome. That's great for them. They deserve it. Yeah. All right, talk to me. Number four on Amanda's list. Uh, my number four is going to be Killers of the Flower Moon. Art, you still got this one higher? or Yeah, why do you hate it? <laughs> I just you don't like Scorsese. It would be a lot easier for me to do the I hate Scorsese, or funnier for me to do the I hate Scorsese bit if I was still wearing the Scorsese shirt I had in the, in the beginning of this yeah. video. but. Come on, continuity, bro. Continuity. <laughs> That's a sick shirt, too. Yeah. Hey, it wasn't my internet, all right? <laughs> I'm sorry. It was my Damn. Power. It was my power. You know what would have been great? Over 100,000 people without yeah. power in the winter, Zach. People were dying, Zach. My you know friend's you still yourself? without. <laughs> There's no heat. <laughs> Literally. If, with my, if when mine went out, you came back with a different shirt. <laughs> that would have been funny. That too. You should have. You just go to the I whole closet by the end of it. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I do have it a little bit higher. But tell me, where it ranks in your Scorsese's? Because we had a whole Oof. Scorsese film club. Yeah, I did. I was trying to do my rankings back then, and sitting on it a little bit more now. I think I got it in like either five, six, or seven on Scorsese list. It, I think it is one of his, at least from the ones I've seen, and admittedly there are a few I still need to catch up on, mm. but I, I do think it is one of his major works. And even if you just go by runtime, it surely certainly is one of his major works, but just with the way that it also feels like a counterstatement to so many of the movies he's made beforehand, it, mm -hmm. it feels like a really important piece in the, uh, the story of Scorsese as a filmmaker. So yeah, uh, I got Killers of the Flower Moon number four. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. Art, what's number four on your list? Well, all right, this is my last pick right here before I get into what I consider my top three. That's obvious. Okay, my number four <laughs> pick. Bo is Afraid. Ooh, really trying to get under Amanda's skin Damn. with this list. It was I one of the best movies Bo. in terms of making me feel uncomfortable. Dream Scenario was one of the best movies. And making you feel uncomfortable. That oh, also not... had that comedy. Sick of myself. Yeah. Also from the director of uh, yeah Dream Scenario. Yeah. I saw Another that movie that was able to handle things and where Ooh. people are so narcissistic and wanting to have the spotlight that they take it as well. I like those two. Always afraid. Dream Scenario. Sick of myself. Hell yeah. All of those are demented comedies. Yeah. And all of those are runner-ups to May December. May December is the most uncomfortable okay. watch. Yes. And for those who don't want to see it, it is also one of the best comedies of the year. Thank Interestingly you. Interestingly enough, we had a discussion earlier this year when I went on my whole spiel about how comedies are misunderstood and are undervalued and that people don't think that there could be, forget drama, levity, that there yeah. could actually be some heft to comedies. People think that comedies just means ha-ha, pure jokes, and they mm -hmm. treat the, the, the genre like a joke. It was a discussion that we had at South By when we mm. talked about I Used to Be Funny, yeah. a movie that is that has its very, um, I wouldn't say dark humor, but it, it's using humor to cope, and that yeah. is a comedy drama. 
right? Yeah, it'd be on this list if it had come out. Shut Easily. Out, yeah. Bo is Afraid is another one where so many people approached it and they didn't want to see the comedy aspect of it, so they took Even it too I, seriously. Even I see uh, the comedy. Ridley has been on the uh, uh, <laughs> no uh, run of all of his recent movies just being not so serious, right? How, how do we put it? They're, not, they're supposed to be taken lightly. The yeah. subject matter here is is obviously very hefty. And I feel like we were discussing earlier, I think off the podcast, a lot of people approach these movies not as art. They approach it as if they need to make a stance. And they don't actually see what's happening here. Yeah. May-December is using comedy to showcase the absurdity of what's happening. Yes. And I think people disrespect the genre in that sense. I just had Blackberry on my list. That was mm -hmm. that was one that really started the discussion. We even made a poll about it and people were split. Is Blackberry a comedy or is it a drama? It's what I've said about Succession as well. I mm -hmm. know Succession is a drama, yet every single one of you only quotes the comedy. Exactly, because mm -hmm. it's funny as hell too. I don't because yeah. it is. It's and funny. Is, and, and funny enough that Succession and May December also come from who? Gloria Sanchez Productions. Yeah. Will Ferrell himself. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of humor in it that I know isn't supposed to be belittling it. It isn't making no. light of the situation. But this is what I was saying about people misconstrue comedy. Mm -hmm. I I think they belittle it as horror, the same way horror. The yes. same way horror has had a renaissance that people have to call it elevated horror that's still dissing the genre that you yeah. feel like, oh, it's pretty for a, that genre. No, yeah. comedy has legs, comedy has levity, comedy is able to do things that a lot of other genres can't. And May, December, I think is the best. Yeah, comedy can feed you things in ways that most people probably won't take it or be like, now it's, it's too heavy thing. for me. I can't, Thank but you. May, December, the fact that it's funny makes it more disturbing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that people don't see that is I get I get somebody said like it's probably laugh the, at it. yeah and I don't know some people are saying it's the difference between if you saw it in a theater and if you saw it at home you might end up with a different perspective so I but saw it at the premiere that you need someone handling you need you, someone that you need handling a group you of people that you need your peers to tell you how to react to something well you know Come what now. the people in the hall Come holdovers now. did need that they needed to not hear the people laughing when it was <laughs> sometimes it's worse to see in the theater right yeah you but know no. it happened but no it, it with May December it's it's like everybody's getting so caught up in the camp argument because they are saying it's not camp. And it's like, we're not saying the movie is like a B movie schlock camp. We're saying, yeah, but there's different yeah. takes for these words. It's, it's, there's camp elements. Like there's no denying yeah. that the end of May, December is camp is melodrama. Mm -hmm. They're making a melodramatic movie. Like for everything that Natalie Portman has just done throughout this movie, how seriously she's taking it to then see where that's going to go is mm -hmm. funny in yeah. a disturbing yeah. way. It's so disturbing yeah. that that's through all of this, through everything she's learned, through how it's all disseminated down to what's happening, to that being the output that most people are going to end up seeing. That's yep. funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's disturbing, but it's funny. And yeah. I don't understand how people don't see that or they're so, they're trying to get so caught up on these individual words. And a lot of that started with the debate had been going on, but my friend Broey Deschanel is making a video about the melodrama versus camp and comedy mm -hmm. in the movie. And then people started dogging on her like YouTube poll about it, which is like, clearly that's not serious. She's just getting a YouTube, like what your viewers, what they're saying. It's not, she's not making an assertion that it's this shallow level thing. She's going to make an, I know she's going to make an amazing video about it. I don't think it's out yet, but I just know her, that's going to be a great video. I can't wait to watch it. But it's like everybody wanted to turn it into this weird dog pile about the idea that it could be funny. And they were like still going at it online because it's just that idea of it's a comedy versus comedy elements driving the drama but then it's yeah. still funny like not to go Those on a ramble there it. but the yeah. the writer the director they have both come out and said it so it's, it's like funny. It, 
Yeah, That's I think niche. people confuse that the punchline for yeah. a joke doesn't always have the results in laughs. Right. It's, those are people who have not seen enough stand-up specials. And for me, mm-hmm. it's my entire MO. That's my entire yeah. approach to LME is using it's jokes true. to be able to understand the hardest parts of it. That's yeah. what I did for my Killers of the Flower Moon video. That's what I did as well for Priscilla. And I yeah. think that that is able to approach and get to a lot of people who may not want to sit with a lecture. But humor yes. is a gateway to be able to get people to understand That's the things. Thing. Yeah. My parents are like that. It's my this idea are, yeah. that serious things need to be handled seriously, but that's just not that's true my religion. to how true. we experience life. I mean, it, I don't true. know, like, I don't know how many funerals either of you have been to, but I'm laughing. I, I'm usually cracking jokes oh. with people at them. Not literally, not literally during the, the you man's know, at the coffin. Coffins, but like you, you remember, you remember the fun aspects of life, and you kind of, kind of like yeah. cut the tension of it, and it, yes. it's like just not a, a true reflection of how people experience things. Like how how often yeah. have you been in the lowest of low moments and used humor to kind of like always figure <laughs> your way out of it? Obviously, it's like yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty silly for people to debate whether or not a movie in which one of the main characters stars on a show called Nora's Ark is a comedy. <laughs> yeah, but Thank it's. You. But you know, it's like it, it's comedies are allowed to be more than just like the Barbie style, broad, hilarious mm-hmm. movie. Comedies yeah. can be a little uncomfortable, a little slippery, a, a little bit dark in a way. But those are the things that kind of like make me feel alive watching movies. That like sure. uncertainty about these characters mm-hmm. and their their weird, you know, moral ambiguity. And obviously there are certain people who are monsters in this movie, but it, it, it's the 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 lived in experience of it. The people directly impacted whose lives are are lived on tiptoe because mm-hmm. of their their not wanting to open those old wounds. Yes. Yeah. I I personally went into my rewatch of May December like really excited to see certain moments obviously yes. like the hot dog line, <laughs> some of the uh, mirror moments between Julianne mm-hmm. Moore and right. Natalie Portman, yeah. the the rooftop scene with oh. Charles Melton. Yeah. Right. So good. An incredible tragic and funny. What I realized on my rewatch of it, though, is that every single scene in this movie is amazing. There's not a scene that doesn't feel like it needs to be there, that doesn't add to the depth of these characters and really deepen your understanding of the the weird murkiness of this situation. It's so fascinating, so watchable. Probably the best acted movie this year. That's it, a debatable question because there's there. so many no, ones. It but... is up there. It's up yeah. there. If it's not, yeah, it's up there. It's up I there. I think it's crazy to talk about ensembles because I agree with you. I think Oppenheimer is a great ensemble. I think, what well, some of the other ones that y'all had mentioned recently? Was it Poor Things? Or... Blackberry is good, but I don't know if I'd put it up above Blackberry this. Blackberry is a good one. Holdovers think... is a lot of great Holdovers, acting. Asteroid I didn't think City. Asteroid City. Asteroid City for like Killers everybody. Asteroid City is a good yeah. one, the way that they all build up of each other. I think yeah. Color Purple is another good one, too, with the way that they tell that story. Yet, but, yeah. but in May, December, as limited as it is, all three are firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And I think the discussion, and you the know, I, I brought up Sick of Myself, Bo is Afraid, and Dream Scenario for the reason of those being movies that I think all excel as comedies that are mm-hmm. the darkest that they could possibly so be, you know, yeah. depressing, narcissistic. And in May, December, you know, instead of focusing, like we've been kind of talking in this video about the template, mm. is it feminist enough? Is it funny enough? Like we're discussing everything but the movie yeah, because of how it's packaged. And ironically, I think that that's the best part of the movie. This isn't just a film that's talking about the issue. 
it's a movie that's talking about how we address the issue. This mm-hmm. is a movie that's breaking the fourth wall and making fun of all of these biopics. That's making calling out how this stuff is filmed, how this stuff is approached. That just yeah. because a perpetrator did something, the people who are also trying to make money or get recognition off of covering said things. Yep. It's the exact same stuff, right? People did not need to do breakdowns on the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing. They were getting clicks. Not everybody needs to cover the Jonathan Majors. Like, we are not TMZ as movie people. But that ends up becoming the thing that gets you the most clicks. A long-winded way to say, did y'all see that Z-Way George Santos interview? (sighs) He, He... He wiped her. Uh, I don't know, man. I Thank didn't, you I tried... for saying that, Zach. Yeah, it's, the moment it's he looked at her and he said, "The moment that y'all get rid of me is when you realize that y'all don't want content." Or mm-hmm. however he put it, he was like, "The the moment I stop being famous, not stop coming on these things, is when you stop inviting me." Oh, but you won't, because you need the content. That is at the root of not just the monster that is Julianne Moore in this movie, who is incredible. That lisp, fantastic. But it's Natalie Portman who's also prying and doing the exact same thing. Because yep. everything that she's working towards is for it to be authentic. So really sit with that final scene on what's really happening in her mind yes. when she's trying to not have it be acting anymore. Uh, May December is one of the best of the year, Zach is correct. Every scene hits on all cylinders. All three are the best performances. We can mention who the best one is right now. And in an hour, we'll have a different one. Yeah. And when I rewatch yeah. it, I'll have a different one. All three are killing it. May, December, yeah. number four. So good. Yeah, this is one of yeah. those ones It was duking it out for, yeah. I just, you said you had it. So I was like, okay, we'll sit her down. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, and as Amanda mentioned briefly, like it, even beyond the three who are incredible in it, I think the kids are so, yeah. so good it's in the good. movie. Uh, and, and even the people around them, I think just really, really deepen mm-hmm. everything that's going on. Like the, I, the I theater thought, class scene. that like yeah. The daughter, when she's kind of like... What's what is actually happening here in my life? Because I was really excited yeah. at first, and now what is happening? What the is son? this? What does this mean? Julianne Moore. Yeah, the son. The older one. Always from yeah, the son. Yeah, that's that son. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, Crazy. Georgie. Uh, so it, it's yeah, Georgie. such a mm. such an incredible movie. One that when I watched it at first, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought there was a lot of things that were interesting about it, and then I just couldn't get it out of my mind and the mm-hmm. rewatch confirmed to me that this is really one of the best movies of the year art you have it at number four i decided to put it all the way at number three on my list because i yeah. just i, I just can't i can't stop thinking about the movie i think it's just perhaps the best thing that todd haynes has ever made i think it's got the hey, best script of the year for, for sure real, though mm-hmm. incredible work by sammy birch uh yeah may december just a really incredible movie yeah this should really be higher on my list but i feel like uh I don't know. I saw it at Con, and it was really yeah. good there. You know what there. to do. You know what to do. <laughs> Package it. <laughs> Package it. I, I just opened my graphic right now, and it's already hard. No, to it's fit okay. In all I won't. I won't. It'll stay in my. It'll stay in my honorable mentions area because, and I, I it could easily have replaced something else. I really just tried to go on like some. Uh, to, by the end, it started being like, what was my first experience how did i feel after walking out of the movie when i first saw it less Mm -hmm. so than how does it hold up on the rewatch some of it did that but other ones were like you know asteroid city saved my con a little bit perfect Mm -hmm. days saved my con a little bit so that's why they stayed on but it's interesting you mentioned that because i feel like that's the the perspective that i normally go into these lists with like Mm -hmm. how did i feel watching this movie Mm -hmm. and more so than ever this year maybe because there are so many great movies that i've been excited to revisit i'm thinking about like how how eager am i to watch it again yes how much do i want to be in that experience again yeah i agree and i think that 
probably is what ended up moving my number one down to my number three, which I, is it my turn for number three? Is it my number three? Whoa. I yeah. believe we are at your number three, but before you give yes. us your number three, you want to give us your honorable mentions? What did not make the list? Yeah, I'm going to go through. Uh, I've mentioned Eight Mountains before, but I'll toss it again. We're going to do Zone of Interest, the new Glazer movie, which yep. is just incredibly unique with how the it decides to, to tell that story. Just once you realize what's happening, it gets progressively more horrifying. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall is one I don't even think I like as much as some people do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't even like this movie. I don't even like it. No, <laughs> I just don't. Yeah. It's an honor. Yeah, I like it quite a bit. And it is one of those ones that like upon revisiting it, I, I do like the, the really great performance. She's having a great year. Hewler and both the of them. Kid. The kid's amazing. There's so and much. And the dog. And the dog. Did you know they have a dog award at Con? What? They did. Do you know yeah. they have palm a palm dog? Do you know what it's the The <clears throat> palm dog. Is it the palm dog? Yeah. 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 It had a really it. cute name, bro. And yeah. yeah. He swept it this year. I he thought swept. that was hilarious. Swept. He yeah. He was really good. He was really good. That almost that had like a. Like literally my notes are like the dog. And then it was like, never mind. And it was just, you know, so like, yeah, a lot in anatomy of a fall, very good procedural, really great performance, very strong. Then I got broker, which we talked about, which I had technically seen in 2022, but I don't think fully released until this year. So I'm popping it on. Fair play is one that I am still very excited, very high on. I love fair play coming out of Sundance. Uh, it's just some things are, are edging it out, but I did. I, I really like Fair Play. I think I, I'm higher on Fair Play than most people. Me and uh, Art's fiance Alina loved Fair Play, mm. so I, I was a big fan on that. I thought the performance is really good. I like the way they play off of each other. Then I'm going American Fiction, which nice. was uh, probably one of the highlights of TIFF. It was one of the last ones I saw, and it definitely held up. The, I think the only thing that's stopping it from being like, so amazing is that I think it needed to go a little bit harder on flipping that camera on the audience a little bit because I there's a lot of people laughing at jokes in that that I'm like, why are you laughing though? <laughs> why do you think it's funny person next to me? Because I don't know if it's the same reason why the movie is telling you that it's a funny thing. So I do think it needed to be a little bit more like, I know you're laughing, but here's a little bit you. Here's a little yeah. bit you looking right back at you. And I would include myself in that. I think everybody views themselves as the <laughs> exception to to we the do. thing that they're getting made fun of, right? We no do. No one's in a call. Yeah. Everybody so, else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, obviously, you know, I, I, we all have biases, whether we want to acknowledge them or, and I know that I realize that about myself and it's good to keep in mind. So I, I would have liked it to go that one little extra step into yeah. more uncomfortable, but still very good. Really enjoyed it. Great performance. Jeffrey Wright knocked it out of the park. Then I have Monster, which Art already talked about. Um, mm-hmm. Really good. And I just haven't had a so chance good. to, uh, I haven't had a chance to revisit it yet, mm-hmm. but it is very good. And I deeply love it. Uh, then, I, then I have Dream Scenario, which I think probably would have way more easily made it into my top 10 if I don't think it's really more the, the politics it decides to take towards the end of that movie start kind of shifting things for me. And then hearing them talk about it after it was kind of interesting in that like it was still a great, hilarious, fun watch. I don't think it knew how how it wanted to end itself. And I yeah. don't necessarily like the person that it thinks it's defending when it's making certain points towards the end. Yeah. But I still think it's a really interesting, good movie worth checking out. Dreamfluencers, though? Dreamfluencers. <laughs> that's Raw. so good. I mean, there's so much in it that is yeah. so good. And I'm excited let's to go, revisit it. Yeah, let's keep it. going this way. Why are we going that way? Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like you're getting into a really interesting. It's kind of like uh, Fingernails, which was one that I would have mm. loved know, to have yeah, had. Yeah, yeah. In this, but then it's an it, honorable to the honorable mention. Yeah, because I'm like, it's this. so, it's yeah. like, I've never been like, okay, now I want to take what you set up and go in a different direction with it because mention. there's a better, I think there's a better movie here that you didn't quite fully go to. 
Then I have May, December, which again, easily could have been anywhere as happily in my top 10. And then I'm going to end it off with I Like Movies, a real simple hey. little Canadian movie that I saw in 2022, but did finally come out. It's just nice. It's just about this kid who wants to go to NYU to be a filmmaker. And he's kind of this like belligerent little asshole. <laughs> and it's okay for him to be the belligerent little asshole. And these things happen to him and how people around him kind of do things that are inappropriate or how he's engaging and people are kind of like putting things on him in ways that doesn't need to. And then he kind of has to learn to be better. And just like the dynamic between him and his mom and the stress that comes there. I, I, I really love it. I think it has a great ending as well. Really solid coming of age story for that. Like I'm sure a lot of people will, might relate with it a little bit more than they want to with the, the nerdy little kid. That's just the, uh, the artiste, you know, but it's, it's really good. I like it. And it's, yeah. Very good movie. Good. Yeah. Nice. Going through some of my honorable mentions, I had Rylane at number 20, but Amanda had that on her list. I had You Hurt My Feelings at number 19. Ooh, Just one of noise, the loveliest noise. movies of the year. Uh, I, I really, really up. appreciate this one yeah. out of Sundance. I, I, yeah, I struggled keeping this out of the list, but this, again, it's just a hard it's year with a, a hard, lot of great It's a stacked year because it was, it was pretty high for me too. And then, yeah. Yeah, I, I just love a movie that feels as like relatable and sort of down to earth. Like they, it's not... It's unnecessarily honest. dramatic because it's a movie. It just kind of is a thing that I think we can all uh, relate to having experienced. Yeah. At 17 and 18, I got Poor Things and I got Barbie. I think they have a lot in common and I found them both particularly hilarious. I give the edge, though, to Poor Things because my boy Yorgos just a little bit more on my wavelength. But not your girl, Greta? <laughs> Fucking misogynist in this. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, clearly, clearly a misogynist. She's not even my list. <laughs> I got uh, The Killer from David Fincher uh, at nice. number 16, really well-executed Hitman movie. I put 20 Days in Mariupol at number 15. Ooh. I put Bottoms, Ooh. the funniest movie of the year to me, at 14. I we'll put, get back to that. We will get back to that. Um, I have A Still Small Voice, my favorite documentary of the year from Luke nice. Lorenzen, down at 13. I put American Fiction at 12. Just missed out. Oh, and really? I did, yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure. Uh, I was like, this is either going to be an honorable or it won't be on his list at all. It's just, it's just so hard to narrow it down to 10, which <laughs> is why I also have Zone of Interest down at 11. I, I think that Jonathan Glazer really made like an incredible mm -hmm. movie, the kind of movie that he always makes that like pushes cinema as an art form forward. Yeah. He, he's never yeah. really like half-assed his vision of these things. No. The, the use of sound in that movie is just like unrivaled to anything else that I've seen uh, this year. And particularly the way that the movie opens on a black screen is kind of, I feel like it, as a viewer, it forces you to lean in and listen more closely. He's like telling you, you, you're not going to see everything in this movie. You have to listen mm -hmm. to it as well. And it's it just so smartly constructed. There's a cut that completely left my jaw on the floor. So as much as I responded to the zone of interest, and maybe partly it is that thing that I was mentioning that like, I don't know if I want to rewatch it. I don't know if I want to yeah, like fair. exist in that feeling for very long, but I, I was blown away by it. So I have zone of interest at number 11. Uh, and that doesn't even get into films like Dream Scenario, films like Perfect Days, films like Talk to Me or The Taste of Things that I Oof. didn't get to. In the, that It's a really crazy year. Art, what just missed out on your top 10? At number 99, I had <laughs> my top three documentaries. My top three docs would be Still, a Michael J. Fox movie. Yep. Yeah. A Still Small Voice. 
and that Dear Mama docuseries that I've been talking about. It is one of the best ones that uh, has been released, in my opinion. And then just in terms of my movies, I agree with a lot of the ones that y'all have said. The story I have is one that I'm going to mention later on as like my hidden gem, talk to me, American fiction, origin, all good stuff. But uh, I think that Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret was a fantastic movie that really... I think this director has been able to really cover that awkwardness in youth. She had done yeah. Edge of 17. Edge of 17. And, yeah, I, like, I like that one a lot. And I, I think she captured it here, not just from the perspective of the kid, but also from the perspective of the parents. I thought that was really good. Zach had mentioned You Hurt My Feelings, very raw and honest. Uh, Other People's Children, I think, has one of the underlooked performances of the year. Uh, Virginia, I still don't know how to say her name, but I have seen her in three different things this year. And I think Other People's Children has been a standout where she plays a woman who can't have kids, but she's always taking care of Other People's Children, premiered at Sundance. This one, it was a last minute pick that I saw at Chicago, The Promised Land. I know, I think Amanda yeah. saw it at uh, Viggo Mortensen, oh, yeah. right? Fifth? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 not no. Viggo Mortensen. Um, uh, Mads. Oh. Mads Mickelson. Oh, it is, okay. I'm, I'm it is mixing like a, up. a very oh, yeah. That's standard yeah, yeah. movie of like trying to just, you know, make this land, this bastard land, really, because that's what it's called, I think, in uh, Germany, or it's a D- Dutch movie. It is yeah, being it's... submitted from Denmark. Should... Yeah, Denmark. Yeah, it should be Dutch. Here we go. Uh, he's just trying to Danish. make these potatoes out there, but nobody wants to help him out. And I thought his performance, and it does like these cliche things that you've seen in a lot of other movies when he you know, builds his relationship with his partner and his the kid that's with him. But I thought it was great. All Dirt Road's Taste of Salt, the most poetic mm. movie out there. It got lost in the bunch from the film festivals in Sundance because of its release. But I do think that that one's a, a really good movie to add on your radar if you're a big film fan. Got to talk about the uh, action movies out there. John Wick Chapter Ooh. 4. This thing killed it. I think it, to, to be in its fourth movie and still be hitting on all cylinders like it does, it has my favorite falling down the, the just falling down scene since Katniss. <laughs> so for that alone, I had to put it there, uh, as well as Godzilla Minus One that I thought was a really good uh, action movie. Zach had mentioned Barbie. I think we've mentioned Teacher's Lounge. Down Low. Really funny. Down Low. Did that even come out? Yeah, on VOD. It's on VOD, bro. No! I think it might even be on Hoopla. Yeah. I, they I gotta killed give it a my boy. <laughs> they really did. And then my last two would be Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. I thought was a pretty underrated pick. I think uh, that is probably one of the better military movies that has come out. And Iron Claw, which I hope Amanda sees oh, and we get to tomorrow. add a little, tomorrow. A little excerpt there. That, that tomorrow. one's a very good one. Harris Dickinson, the boy. Hoping these um, antibiotics finally kick in tomorrow we go <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's a lot of the picks that we had here. Just an incredible, incredible year of movies. Like we were saying at the top, to have to cut out so many four stars is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I almost thought we were going to get to a point where I was going to leave five stars off the list. So, <laughs> right here. Close. All right. So with our honorables out of the way, Amanda, let's get to the top three movies of 2023. All right. Uh, my third is one that I think we were all quite taken with. Uh, when we saw it, I think I was the first to see it. And unlike Fair Play, this one you all agreed with me. Past Lives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, amazing this is movie. An amazing movie. Just a really... And it's it's one of those ones that it, if I was her, I might be scared. Because it is clearly so autobiographical in so many ways. That I hope she's got it to do it with something that isn't that personal to her. Or that she's right. had a lot of really poetic experiences in her life. Because this is just this beautiful heartbreaking 
but at the same time, not story that spans over the course of like 24 years of this woman who uh, emigrates to Canada from uh, Korea. Yeah. And all of the things that come with that, the people you leave behind, how you might try to reconnect later, just the literally the conversation with her and her mom. My mom's always like, whatever happened to so-and-so? And then I'm online mm-hmm. looking up so-and-so. It's such a relatable thing. And then you you have all those what if th- feelings and then realizing that maybe your lives aren't compatible in those uh, in those different areas um, and how you kind of all have to move on. And that while it does on the surface level just feel like this may be like a flip on the love triangle or like the girl next door type story, it really is also this story of someone kind of letting go of a version of themselves that they could have been to be the person that they are now and who they want to be and pursuing who they want to be and why that's okay. I know that there's like a moment at the end that people are like, I don't understand why she's crying, but it's like, she's not just crying over this one thing. It's everything. It's her whole life. And this door kind of like closing on a chapter that wasn't ever really open, but it's this whole part of herself that's, yeah. I've always found that to be less of her, you know, crying at what didn't happen and more crying yes. because it's like saying saying goodbye to a version of yourself that you yes. you thought you had inside you, right? Like you're you're closing yeah. a door on a, a way your life could have gone that you see so clearly, yes. but it's not the way your life is going to go. Yes. And then just the entire concept of inyan as a thing, I think is so beautiful and interesting and like captivating in so many different ways that uh, anybody can apply to their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 there's so much about that movie to love. Uh, and it's I, the opening shot, honestly, I think is actually one of the best things that it's starting with us and a camera closing in on the three main characters, but we're hearing someone else talk about them and yeah. wondering what's the dynamic oh, so what's good. going on here. That's so fucking good. Yeah. It's an amazing movie. Amazing movie. Amazing so movie. My three. Yeah, I had it down at number six, but not for lack of loving it, because it is, again, one of the best scripts of the year. I think there are mm-hmm. so many lines that just, like, hit you like an anvil over the head or something. I, yes. I, I go again and again to the quote about, uh, you dream in a language I can't understand. It's like this whole place inside so you I can't go. Uh, there's the, I didn't know, like, your husband would hurt this much, or what if this was a past life as well, and we're already on something else to each other in our next life. Like, uh. just... So many things that I feel like, you know, some people like lines so beautiful that I expect someone will get them tattooed on them somewhere, I right? Like they just definitely see that the kind of quotes yeah. you can live your life by. Yeah. And, and uh, then, yeah. also, it's not just her; it's also him realizing that he's been holding on to this version yes. of her as a twelfth, this twelve-year-old version of her, and what that version of her would have been that never existed, that doesn't yeah. exist, that won't ever exist. If so you had never left soul, would I still have looked for you? Else. Yeah, that's the thing. If I never left soul, would I still look for you? So good. So, it's so good. It's very good. It's very good. Shout out John Mangaro. I think he was the only one who was there because we saw it uh, at the premiere at Sundance. They were they all decided there. decided to make it super early. Was John there? John was there. I guess I was too focused on my man's Oh, fit. no. Was he the only one not there? Yeah. I thought they were all there. I, I thought he was there. I thought they literally kind of asked him the question of like, is it kind of awkward to be playing a movie where you're like... The, the one cucking, dude who has yourself. no idea. Yeah, you're kind of cucking <laughs> yourself a little fitted. bit, but no. He I knew. was too he focused knew. on my man's it. fit from the, uh, from the premiere. I forgot Sadly, you were at that too. Yeah. I drove us. Yeah, I know you drove us. That was that was the opening one. I thought yeah, that, that was that you was, and me got uh, that. Yeah. Well, Alina went too. Yeah. Bit. Was... You were worried that 
it was going to be too packed because we mm -hmm. knew that like the last minute edition and yeah. uh, Zach wasn't going to be able to go in. We had a whole row yeah. with us. That was the one that was a sleeper hit for a lot of people this year. Mm -hmm. Like, ah, it looks like it's a boring movie. And then all of a sudden it starts making the rounds. And once people finally see it and they give it the time, they do agree with it. And that yeah. was one thing that I said since we caught it at Sundance is that so many people are focused on it being about who you're missing out in your life. And it's not about that. It's very autobiographical for her. Um, since that, exactly. Like, right. like, I don't think she would stay her. married to her husband if that was the takeaway meant to yeah, be. Yeah, because people were seeing it movie. as business and stuff. And it's like, it's way more internal, but everybody wanted to see it external. And I'm like, yeah. if that's as far as you connect with the movie, then you're not giving into it. Because you're once not. you do give into it, you realize, like we're saying, it's a it's a movie where she, there's another version of herself that did know Korean. Yeah. That wouldn't be flubbing it over. And a lot of us have those different paths we could have taken. The past yeah. lives isn't just with them together. It's her. Yeah, that yeah, and that's what a lot of people my don't engage two. with. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There we go. It, it's bumped I, around. It was my number one. And it's just. It was my number around. one as well. We're just bumping around because of vibes. In a past life? In a past life. It was. <laughs> it might have been number it one. It might have been number one. Yeah. Certainly worthy of it. All three of us got that on our list. It has been one of our favorites of the year since we saw it almost 12 months ago at this point. Yeah. So it's got the staying power as well. Uh, past lives. Really beautiful mm -hmm. movie. My number. Six, Amanda's number three, Arturo's number two. My number three, I had already mentioned, is May December. So mm -hmm. let's go back to Art for his number three. Hey, good. I will put it to yeah. you this way three, two, and one are all four and a half for me. One and three got bumped up the extra half star on the rewatches nice, because nice. I truly think that they are the most profound movies of the year. Yeah. All three movies are dramas that should should have not made the impact that they that they did. Well, I can't speak for past lives, but especially for Oppenheimer and for my number one. Oppenheimer is about to reach a billion. Yeah. It's a three hour talking movie where half the scenes are in black and white. What's going on? <laughs> it's a movie where the bomb was was done with like sticks, bro. Damn near. Everything about this movie, I, I think, is profound in the sense that everybody thinks that IMAX, as we were discussing with a lot of other movies, uh, with Dune and everything else that, that's on the horizon, people want to go to see the spectacle of it. How big is it going to be? How massive can the screen get? This man's a psychopath. He said, what if I took the IMAX for a close-up of a person's face? It's absurd. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Mm -hmm. How beautiful that instead of going bigger, he went even more microscopic mm -hmm. to see the inside of this man's life. Oppenheimer, I think, has one of the best performances of the year. It's got a great ensemble cast, as Zach was mentioning, or both of you were mentioning earlier. I I do think that Killian should get a nomination. Mm -hmm. Robert Downey Jr. hasn't been this good in a long time. Yeah, and he's Robert good Jr. from the insane. instant he walks on yes. screen. Like, yeah. you, you hear a couple words out of his mouth, and it's like, this is not Iron Man. You are not mm -hmm. doing the usual snarky and incredibly charismatic and fun to watch uh, Robert Downey thing, you're actually trying to be this other guy and mm -hmm. doing it really convincingly, like really uh, erasing all of our baggage with you, Robert Downey Jr., the actor, and just embodying Strauss. And it, it's mm -hmm. it was it's so incredible. I know it it jumps around a lot, and it's also a three hour movie, so it's very difficult to like remember some of the stuff, but the yeah. through lines of like how he's introduced and something that is said, and then how he brings it up later on in the movie. Mm -hmm. profound mm. the way that they're both approaching this project from completely different stances just by the way that they say their last names <sighs> amanda had mentioned the pettiness yeah <laughs> for for a project like this to be to, to come out of 
pettiness between two people is insane. Yeah. And I just love the approach that every single person had in this movie that he saw it that way. Matt Damon and, and something that we talked about in our Intercut Explains as well as Zach, Zach's video that he made on the subject. Matt Damon saw it the way that Nolan did, that this is a movie about filmmaking and what it takes to create such a massive blockbuster mm -hmm. of a project and all the people that come together. And he, to a degree, plays the guy who's casting everybody. He is the producer of this mm -hmm. project. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of beauty in this movie, a lot of uh, torment in this movie as well. Mm -hmm. And it hits. Oppenheim did you see three. that Christopher Nolan wrote the script in the first person? Yeah. It's the first time he's, I think he said uh, he's ever done it. Yeah, I mean, it, it reads very bizarrely, particularly when you get to the sex scene and it says, we are fucking. But, like, it works, too, right? Like, it, the, he's relating the to the theory. character and we are also sort of put in the shoes yeah. of him. That actually it's... made me forget one of my honorable mentions, Saltburn. I forgot oh. Saltburn. That was the one that got left off the damn list. Oh, of sucks. <laughs> we are fucking. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, back to Oppenheimer. No, it's just great. Yeah. All right, Oppenheimer. Uh, the last thing I'd mention in terms of the IMAX experience is yeah. mm. uh, the idea of being able to go from the, uh, I, I believe he shot it at two something, not not the, not the full widescreen. It was a little bit taller. So then go to the one nine IMAX to then the one four three, which I highly recommend. That I told people like even if you don't know what you're experiencing there, you don't never you don't know when you're gonna get this chance again. I missed it by it's January fifth when it returns. Hours. When it returns, I missed it by five hours. What? Oppenheimer and IMAX. I was at a theater, the uh, largest or the tallest, one of them. It's not the biggest. Wait, that's right. You ended up with Blue Beetle, bro. Fucking Blue Beetle. <laughs> the only thing, like, like IMAX is making this experience worse. It's letting me know how bad this is oh. was shot. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Man, you missed it by an oppie and a half. Yeah, an oppie oh, and a half. <laughs> the 3D aspect of it that he has been talking about, that to him, it's not about all these extra gimmicks. It's about really falling into the movie and what mm -hmm. he's showcasing you. And this idea of the ratio starting here, especially mm -hmm. when he keeps cutting to like his flourishes in his mind, the sparks that are happening. And you see these different things that he, that he shows on the screen that are like uh, what's supposed to be the explosives. Mm -hmm. There's one where you, your eyes, right? It's almost like an optical illusion where you see the frame this big and then cuts to black. And what ends up being the next shot is those explosives, those sparks, going higher than the ratio that you had. It's a subconscious oh. thing. You know, we talk about movies all the time and what angles represent for like who's looking down on who, what close-ups mean, colors, all these different things. And for the average viewer, I don't think that that's a, a thing, especially in IMAX that they've taken into account, right? Like mommy came out and they're like, oh my gosh, he's boxed in. Mm -hmm. We don't have that many IMAX movies that are using the ratio for a reason other than like Amanda was saying, Blue Beetle, go big. Yeah. Uh, let, let's get as much in there. Disney Plus movies are now IMAX enhanced, but the directors are going, all oh, that's supposed to be fluff. I didn't intend for that to be a thing. Yeah, it's this like when they started movie. doing the, uh, when they started re releasing like Buffy on widescreen, when it was like, they knew that, that, that well, They're we ruining. didn't think the sides were ever going to be there. So yeah. yeah, you can see our entire lockup. Yeah. Like, so uh, I, I think that if uh, people were to give it a rewatch or if they have the opportunity to see it in IMAX, just know that there is a sub subconscious thing that is happening there and the way that it plays with your eyes. And I think yeah. a lot of people miss that the first time where they just, you know, were excited to be a part of the Barbenheimer thing. But it is it. There's some very crazy visual cues in there for a movie that wasn't the bomb explosion thing that that they thought they were going to get. But the visual poetry is still in there. And I think it has to be the best cinematography of the year as well. Great pick, Oppenheimer, number three.
I think we're back to Amanda's choice for number two. Um, this is one that has potentially been on my list before, um, but I probably held it off because it didn't actually come out till this year. Huh. I saw it in 2022. It shouldn't be here. It shouldn't be this high up, but I loved it. Sanctuary. Oh. Sanctuary. Hell yeah. With Christopher Abbott, Margaret Qualley, this just, this deluded, and people get mad at me when I call it a rom-com, or they're like, it's like, but it's not. It's a, it's a deluded rom-com. This is like, yeah. it is a deluded rom-com. It's not, I it's not think, a healthy one. <laughs> yeah. When your rom-com's your dominatrix, this right. is what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a dark romantic comedy, but I think it qualifies as a romantic I comedy to me. I think so, especially the way it ends. Yeah. It ends with sweet, cute music. Like it is. I, I don't know. I love this. Some, yes, sure. Yeah. Some of the dialogue you can get a, a little bit cut. cringe. Can you do a trailer cut? Color grade it a little bit. Yeah. Have the music over it. It's like, yeah, some of the dialogue might get a little bit cringe. It's a little bit over the top, but it is really just this like wild, deluded cat and mouse game between these two mm -hmm. people and one person just desperately trying to like not lose this thing that she likes to the point that he thinks she's lying. And it's just so many different levels and just the facial expressions like Margaret Qualley is perfect in this role. We all love Christopher Abbott. He is like our, our film festival boy. He's our prince. He's our prince. And it's based, it's just the two of them. It's like everyone, you might see like one other person. I would still consider it a self-contained movie, even though there's technically a hallway and an elevator added into it. Yeah, I still, but they make it big, right? They make it feel big. Like, well, yes, it's, it's the penthouse suite. It's the penthouse it's suite. It's the penthouse the, suite. <laughs> the boy is the heir to this hotel fortune and throne, yeah. but like, it's good. I like it. I had a blast with it. It's one of those ones I can always go back to and have a good time with. It's, yeah. I love it. So it is my number two of the year. Yeah, we're at the, the we're at the end of the year, and obviously people are doing their superlatives and acting awards and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I think it's like a huge shame that uh, Margot Qualley, Margaret Qualley, is is not really being brought up in a lot of those discussions. It's one of the most dynamic performances of the year. I think, I think so. It's I mean. Up there. It, I think the entire movie kind of rides on her ebbs and flows and her energy. And she she is the person who is kind of pulling us in and pulling us along. I, I just think it's really her ability to like shift on a dime is so mm -hmm. uh, fun in that film, too. Yeah. Like, I think Krista Rabbit's really good, but she's the one who really is the star of this show. And it's a show with only two cast members in yeah. it. So she's got to be excellent. Yeah. I think she's dialed in. Big fan. Big fan. No shame. Yeah. Number two. Definitely. So Sanctuary, Sanctuary, a pick from last year's TIFF, but a good one available on VOD uh, at Amanda's number two. From number two on my list, I'm going to go with How to Blow Up a Pipeline, the Daniel Goldhaber film no that I really, really uh, still vibe with quite a bit. You know, in the face of so much doomed thinking about climate and our futures, I love that there's this badass movie out there advocating for the power of ordinary people uniting around a common cause. And you see that with so many films that try to address the, the malady of issues with living in modern day, whether it is uh, systemic issues or, or, you know, racial issues or you know, societal clash issues, whatever it is. And I just really appreciate that this is a movie that is like, we have the power to incite change. We have the power to fix this. It's not defeatist. It, it is uh, a, a document of hope in some ways. And maybe that hope is like a, 
a perverse and uh, one one that's living outside the means of the law normally, but I still think it's just a really valuable piece of media uh, given the sort of attitudes of a lot of people in our generation about what the future is looking like, The given how bleak it often can feel looking out into the world. I think we need more movies like this that are not just political and about things and unabashed in the type of action that they're advocating for, but ones that sort of offer some sort of path forward that is better than the one we're on, or at least has an idea of what we can do to go forward. So uh, I think there's just so much to celebrate about this movie, not to, not just to mention that it is a edge of your seat thriller that is Really amazingly shot. The grainy quality of the footage here, I think, adds a lot to the, the dirty, uh, in the you know on the ground feel of this movie. And I think it's got a lot of really underrated acting performances in it too. I think that uh, our Ariel Barrera, uh, who also co-wrote the film, is so good. Forrest Goodluck playing Michael, the kind of really intense guy who does most of the bomb making, is so good in this movie. I, I've watched it a few times now, and every time I watch it, I find new things to really appreciate it, appreciate about it. So, how to blow up a pipeline? I got it all the way up at number two on my list. That's the same story. Then that was at the same TIFF, twenty twenty two. Yeah, there yeah. we go. We, there you go. That we couldn't <laughs> hey, stop thinking just about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think both our movies came out this year. I think we're they safe. did. They did. They did. Yeah. All right. So I got how to blow up a pipeline at two. Art, you already told us that you had past lives past at lives. two. Oh, yeah. And one. So I think we're at Amanda's number one choice. I think so. Hey. Here All we right. go. It should be no surprise. Maybe it will be. My number one of the year, it's Bottoms. I don't, every time I watch this movie, I like it more. It's so, so funny. So like, how can it not? Like, I loved it when I first saw it, but I, I feel like I saw maybe not more flaws, but like I had more like, okay, yeah, I can see why someone might not like this. And then every time I watch it, I'm like, no, this mm-hmm. is hilarious. I love this. I'm having so much fun. Yeah. So it's my number one movie of the year. I think it's doing a lot. Yes, this is very much the kind of like parody style teen comedy, not another teen movie over the top stuff that like some people will just never enjoy. But I think it really hits on all levels because it, it does have good emotional beats in it. It does take something seriously. And then it is, it's like the whole thing is just like joke after joke. It is one of those ones. It's like hard to talk about because how do you pick mm-hmm. the best line or the best moment? Almost the whole thing is the best line or the best moment. And then there's all of the stuff going on in the background that are just mm-hmm. visual gags that are never mentioned, never touched on, never directly acknowledged. And that's so funny this thing is firing on all cylinders and yeah i'm a i'm a big fan i'm a big fan maybe you could say it could end a little cleaner maybe there's a better way to pull it all together than it just being this like giant football field type battles situation with the rivals maybe i i think i think me and zach might agree i can't remember that it's like maybe they needed to build that up a little bit more like the rival side of things a little bit more have them be present beforehand in some way but uh, no, I, I think it is an absolute blast. I had so much fun with it. Uh, yeah, so Bottoms is my yeah. number one movie of the year. Is it is it the best objectively? I don't know, but it's my number one. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if I could say that Bottoms is like 
you know, the most artful film that we saw or anything like that, yeah. but it's certainly the most fun that I had with the movie this year. Yeah. Whenever I, the both times I got to see it in the theater, it's just uproarious laughter. Mm-hmm. The, the, the atmosphere in the theater for those movies is just the kind of thing that you hope for when you see a mm-hmm. comedy. And yet uh, comedies, as we were talking about earlier, are often sort of, cast aside and thought of as not important because they don't necessarily treat the serious issues seriously, but I think they serve like a really integral role in, in how we watch movies and how we come to find out about certain ideas. You know, comedies are a safe place to sort of explore things mm-hmm. that might not feel safe exploring. And this movie certainly does that for a lot of people. I, I, I think there's so much to advocate for in, in bottoms. I, I, I had trouble leaving it out of my top 10, but I think I figured a 20 minute video on my channel is good enough yeah. to celebrate my love for that movie. Yeah. You're, you crushed it. And Thanks. the whole backstory with Marshawn Lynch and yeah. like why he took the project. Yeah. So you can talk about that also. Like again, we've been saying comedy is the perfect way to yeah. take that unserious approach, but st- I don't want to say unserious to take a, a lighthearted way, a, a way to actually connect ideas to other people. So mm-hmm. I've said this before on our podcast, but one of my favorite things that I've heard, uh, Raphael Bob Wasberg, the guy who created oh, and Bojack? ran Bojack Horseman. Uh, one of my favorite things that I've heard him say is that he feels like comedy is actually allows you to get to some serious things more easily because the audience has already like conditioned themselves to be open to the idea of going into creating, creating a very absurd places. You're willing and able to accept strange comedy and hilarious antics. And that same sort of flexibility that you instill in the audience can fluctuate the other way. When things suddenly turn to something very sad, the audience is willing and able to go there too. So Mm -hmm. Stuff like BoJack Horseman did that really well, and I think Bottoms also does that extremely well. Beauty of genres. Hell yeah. yeah. All right, so Amanda put Bottoms at number one on her best movies of 2023 list. I'm going to go with Oppenheimer for my uh, Oppenheimer. It is immensely propulsive. I feel like Mm -hmm. as soon as the film begins, you're just launched onto the speeding train through history, both personally and politically. Uh, Nolan has always kind of been this master of juggling different timelines, but I kind of feel like his, his more recent work, he's, reached a new level of effortlessness in his ability to balance all those different things. And I think the way that the film sort of very casually slips in between multiple half scenes at once, it'll, it'll throw a question out there, bring you to another scene and then answer that question a little bit later. It's so invigorating and it allows him to raise the stakes as he pings across across decades of Oppenheimer's life. Uh, his exquisite, mesmerizing stuff. Nolan, I think, also has heightened his partnership with Ludwig Göransson in this uh, movie because the tension that those <laughs> strings bring as they Ooh, pulsate beneath the dialogue, it, it takes away like seconds on a clock. It's beautiful. The sound designs and the visuals are so overwhelming and operatic. They crescendo with this like incredible middle hour where they create the bomb and then they punctuate that moment by giving you pin drop silence, which, mm. you know, it's just building, building, building until there's nothing left I think Nolan occasionally gets slighted by cinephiles and Philistines for his 
his predilection for doing time manipulation and doing the interwoven chronologies, but I just think there's no one who's better at it than him. And there may be no place where he's done it better than here. The story is able to highlight the thematic echoes across history in a way that would not feel so urgent or so resident uh, resonant in a simpler or more linear retelling of the story. I think it's extremely yeah. exciting to see one of our greatest filmmakers employ those skills for a clear-eyed criticism of the American industrial complex, as well as people who choose to turn a blind eye towards evil, both abroad and at home. And, you know, he's not a filmmaker who often takes on such serious subjects, but he's he stepped up to the plate, and I think he really showed us that he's capable of things that people maybe doubted him for at one point. It's just to me like it's a movie that has no false note and pulls you along for those entire three hours effortlessly. Mm -hmm. It's the first movie that I gave a five star to in a couple of years, to be honest. Nice. I, I think it's, I can see that it, there's so, so much that is better than what we get. It, it's, yeah. it's just the, the pinnacle of big blockbuster filmmaking with a purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's that nonlinear nature that actually helps it be so propulsive so that you don't, yeah. you don't, there's no lulls. You don't have to take the time out to do the lull thing. You're weaving it around so that it's always like relevant to the narrative. Uh, I think maybe the only person who's ever done it better is maybe Fincher with Social Network. Mm. But, yeah, they're, but they're, this they're, obviously feels bigger. Films. There's yeah. the, the idea of yeah. that decision that happened all the way back mm -hmm. then is he's already doomed the future. It's this idea of the, you know, yeah. how you use time. Yep, exactly. Absolutely. So yeah, Oppenheimer, I think we all uh, gave it a shout, but oh, yeah. I got it all the way up at number one, which just leaves Arturo to give us his number one. And I think that there's a couple movies that are missing from his list. So I'm curious if he's got me a, got another tie in store or if he chose one movie over the other. TMNT, Mutant Mayhem, baby. <laughs> like I said, Oppenheimer is my number one. Past mm -hmm. Lives is my number one. Any mm -hmm. of these can be my number one. Mm -hmm. But there's one three-hour epic that I keep finding more and more details to, and I think is the epitome of probably the biggest through line that we have, we've had all year. Something that isn't May, December, when you're seeing how evil is mm -hmm. evil. Oppenheimer, when someone who meant to do good may have caused more destruction. I think nothing other than Killers of the Flower Moon truly gets mm -hmm. at the idea of someone who is complicit in something bad Someone who's literally named Ernest, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, can be swept up into this insane true story uh, that's documented in Killers of the Flower Moon. Marty did it again. I have been defending Marty. In a, what am I doing here? Defending Marty since The Irishman when people were like, oh, what is it? It's like, this is the response to every movie that people didn't get, you know, from Goodfellas to, to Taxi Driver to Casino, that they're bad people. People took those characters and embraced them as being something that was supposed to be a positive, and they weren't. Irishman was a perfect reflection of all the mobster movies that he's made. And to me, Killers of the Flower movie, uh, Flower movie, Flower <laughs> Moon, is still a mobster movie. Yeah, As is. a Western. Yeah. Yeah. And even more than that, we know Westerns as cowboys and Indians, shoot 'em ups This is when civilization is finally happening in the West, and they finally are living in towns together. But it's still cowboys and Indians. Literally, their child is called cowboy. This mm -hmm. is Scorsese making the last Western. When you think that the Western genre ends and starts becoming mobsters, he took what were those spaghetti Westerns, mm -hmm. what would eventually be as Goodfellas, and he made that movie in between. Before the cities approached and you had all these mobsters, this was the original mob right here. 
Yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon fires on all cylinders. I think it uh, has one of the best supporting performances that is up neck to neck with Oppenheimer's Robert Downey Jr. There is no reason why uh, uh, De Niro is this good so late in the game. It makes you wonder why he's doing these dirty grandpas. I know. It is incredible. The subtleties of the things that he does, the way that you rewatch this movie and see how he had everything meticulously planned. That's the whole point of this movie. The way that he always made sure that while he was going to do these killings and orchestrate them, that the people who were going to be complicit were out of town when they needed to be. Make sure you get a picture. Make sure that you're documented. Trying to get other people in order to uh, implicate themselves. Yeah. The, the the score is fantastic. The production design is fantastic. Yeah. I have seen a lot of criticisms uh, for the movie, and I think that there are a lot of valid discussions to be I made. I have one. Mm-hmm. I have one. Shoot. I think, so originally, Leo was playing Tom. Leo was the FBI agent. Right. I mm-hmm. think this would have been a very different movie if that had stayed in place. I don't think we would be, be getting... Ernest presented to us in the way that Ernest is presented to us to the extent that he's presented to us if that had been Mm -hmm. the case I know he made the decision to leave a lot of the empathy there because Molly's granddaughter said no there was love there Mm -hmm. I don't know if there was as much as we're seeing in this movie for the things that he does and the things that he gets involved in and the way that he does things to her even just reading the book I'm wondering if we're seeing more empathy for that character than actually in reality is there. And that would have even been in this movie had we'd seen just why do you feel empathy for his character? I don't feel empathy for his character. I think the movie is trying to like it. The movie says every 30 minutes. I like money more than I like my wife. They do. They take it back. And I agree. (laughs) I agree with that. I just think that there's, I agree. I think it's not even the empathy. It's more just like the framing, the framing. I think I've taken. Yeah. It's the framing. There you go. Because he's the main character played by Leonardo Mm -hmm. DiCaprio, we are giving the assumptions. And I think that that is the big point. Yeah. Yeah. To me, to me, that is part of what brings it home is because we are sort of aligned with Leonardo DiCaprio as we enter the world. We are sort of brought into the inner circle. We're brought into the Mm in-group and we are in a way almost made accomplice to this ethnic genocide. Yeah. Okay. I can agree with that. I, I personally like the decision, although I totally understand people's misgivings with it. And obviously, like centering a, a white person on a film that is about the genocide of Native, Native Americans, indigenous people, it is like a controversial thing. But, you know, th- that it, this is like a overused line at this point. But Scorsese is making a movie about the wolves. And, yes. and he's yes. our entry to this pack of wolves. He gets brought in by yeah. uh, King Hale, De Niro's character at the beginning of the film. So I find that... I found that to be effective. I also think that some of the some of the empathies that are are shown later in the film, while they're complicated and maybe don't necessarily lead to as satisfying of conclusion as, as might as we might want, I think there's also something true to the complicated nature of people yes. of of how people don't necessarily react very drastically to be given to being given negative information mm-hmm. that if you look at real life William Hale the the person behind like masterminding a lot of these murders remained close yeah. with many Osage people yeah, up until his death he did you know and yeah. and for that to exist like I think people are far more complicated than some audiences are willing to give them credit for and maybe exactly. it doesn't feel like it makes sense in movies that should 
we, we want to have like a clean arc and a sort of happy ending with, but I, it feels truer to life to me. Yeah. I can agree with that. I can truth. agree with that. He's, You're bringing me said around. even Ernest was going to meetings all towards uh, the rest of his, his life. And yeah. that he still mm-hmm. kind of felt that remorse. And I know for a lot of people, I think it plays it too close because you could take something like the new Hunger Games right. and people can see, oh, that's a toxic relationship, but it's fictional enough for it to be okay. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the virtue signaling for here as if people really care. Fair. But because it's a reality, a lot of people have been like, oh, I don't know, this is a little icky. But if they would have been fake, would it have been fine? It is a narrative choice <laughs> that I think yeah. is backed up by not just the grandkids, but by Cowboy, the, the, yeah. the son himself okay. who took care yeah. of them throughout. Right. Um, I think there's a big point in there because of an act that Ernest does in the movie that I've seen so many well-respected critics. I'm not going to say lie, but there is enough information out there from every person in the crew, the director, the editor, the people playing them, who have stated what is going on there, but they refuse to see that there because then they would have to engage with the movie. It's a thing that he does to his wife. Oh, And because people want to say what the intent is, when the book showcases it very clearly, mm. I have seen articles written by well-respected people who begin right off the bat with Ooh. wrong information and then uh, take it all the way through. Okay. And if you refuse to connect with it there, then you're not even judging the movie to begin with. You're watching right. it with one eye already closed. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can't say, come into these movies yeah. with, with the baggage in there. You yeah. need to see it for what it is. And a lot of people think that because he made this movie, now nobody else can. But what I heard oh, was yeah. a big mm-hmm. discussion about an incident that nobody even knew about. This mm-hmm. isn't the only movie to be made. This is just him with the very dwindling years that he has left deciding to make a movie on this and everybody mm-hmm. else should have that spotlight. Yeah, because there's another book that he took a lot from called A Pipe for February, or at least he read a lot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a lot in that that can be examined and taken in another direction. Yeah. Um, I've only seen it the one time. So that was, so my critique came re-watch. from... I know I need to. It's just one I didn't have time to. It's three and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to give it my attention. That's like, it's not that I don't want yeah, to have that right. playing on the iPad while I'm writing a Hunger you Games can. script. Not a great background movie. I yeah. want to sit and like in a dark room and really like give it the attention that it deserves. But I guess my perspective from what now you guys are talking and I'm agreeing with you because I'm kind of reframing moments in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my thing was it's really coming back to the, that conversation where he just kept stressing like, no, I loved her. And I was just like, but then the mm-hmm. movie does do a thing where it kind of like, readdresses that and the actions and she asks him a question what you Mm -hmm. know what is so but then i guess Mm -hmm. my perspective from where i was coming from was i read the book after seeing the movie so then all of the book and being like i feel like they just left a lot of like really interesting things out and then knowing that leo wanted to be tom i just yeah yeah like i just feel like maybe we're sanitizing something here because leo's now in that role and he needs to be the lead but i'm now with your added perspective i'm gonna go watch the movie again Mm -hmm. with that perspective so that if they would have focused on the FBI, that it would have been even murkier. There would have, yeah, there would have been a whole like, other complaint right? of where, yeah, and I agree with that. Oh, there this would have is been glorifying a, the we're FBI. We're now glorifying like the, the, the FBI, the, the creation movie of the that FBI. people wanted yeah. is what the ending is making fun of. Y'all wanted a true crime podcast that would have mm-hmm. glorified yeah. the FBI and, that's, and the that's creation. That's not even what I wanted. That's not even necessarily yeah. what I wanted. It's just thinking about how different the movie would have been. I agree with the choice to reframe it around this family that was going through this experience and the people that were committing it over it being like Tom White comes to town and Sports now we're he in. Does best, right? And he, he knows been how great to like get it. mobs and syndicates. And he it, knows how to showcase how they do evil. Exactly. And, and I, then, yeah. And it would have been interesting to that, see his take on the FBI yeah. kind of like, okay, they're doing a good here, but oh, I know what Hoover's up to. And Hoover's... For what, right? You're like, you're only doing this on accident and they only come in after what? 
the killings oh. of the Osage people or Spread the killings of a specific of a white person. man gets blown. Yeah, sorry. There I'm you spoiling, go. It is but... such a profound movie. It is. And I, yeah, yeah. so you're right. So it I is. do think I just need to watch it again. Maybe not. Yeah, just watch it. I just need to watch yeah. it again. And and no movie is flawless. So we're not, I don't think the point is to oh, say no. like, if you have I didn't, criticisms yeah, every, of it. I like it. Yeah. It's, I just, I don't, I still don't think I like it as much as you guys. I do think that yeah. it has some fair. pacing issues. From my yeah, memory, I thought that like some hours. things were rushed and some things might have been drug a little bit. It didn't have that same choppiness. Mm -hmm. I do think that there's a three and a half hour version of this movie that I think is perfectly paced. But I do love everything that it's doing in the movie. So it's just yeah. like, yeah, I don't dislike it. It sounds like I disliked it. I just wanted to kind of like, yeah. but no, now you've offered me a different perspective and now I can watch it. Go. Now I can watch it. You know, It's like, it's like zone of interest. You're looking yeah. at the bad guys for what they do. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of people misconstrued that it was taken away from something when it's not. It's it's approaching it from this way. Yeah, and I, I don't yeah, I don't even more. think it took away necessarily. I do think is we could have gone a little bit. A lot of people feel uh, like where's the indigenous side of it and I'm like, mm -hmm. "Oh, you you need to listen to the background. A lot it's of the there. stuff that was in there, it is there to it's a degree yeah. that, that they got a lot of the the tribe members to to give to it. But then you'll ask them, "What indigenous story did you like of this year?" and it's crickets. So mm -hmm. that's where you go. Are we discussing the movie or are we discussing how you want to come off online for right. a lot of people? out there that's you just have to remember fair. the front is the front the back is the back okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> the front is the front and the back is the Look back, the back. <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know if this would have made the movie better and i'm not going to assert some knowledge that scorsese doesn't have but uh i wonder if some people might have maybe responded to it a little bit better had they included the method that Ernest's son disposed of his remains because uh, he asked to have his ashes scattered on Osage land, and instead his son took them and just threw them off a bridge. That might have been a nice little statement at the end of the movie. But... Just having Marty right. say that as the last line. Yeah. yeah. Before he his... still dissed him. Yeah. He said before he, he came out, and his yeah. brother lived in Narvi. It's like he was already saying. <laughs> yeah, literally. So like, just go like. Feel like he strikes. Yeah, so yeah. People needed that, that little extra push there, but. Yeah. yeah. No, it would have been funny. It would have been. I do think it would have been better. That should have been included. I agree. It would have shown them as the joke that they were, and that that's really yeah. the, the, the point. And I of and I don't how. ever get the impression that they're not putting him forward as a joke. Like he's got the his teeth are gross. He's goofy. It's he's that, like frown. Insane. He yeah. You know, like I'm not saying okay, that they're bringing crazy dude. Yeah. The, yeah. I, I'm not saying they they brought Leo in as this like fucking but, but just the idea king, is, this charming people, prince. Man, yeah. yeah. How many people took it that way? Because that seems to be the norm. That that yeah. That these ugly cowboys were always putting themselves as the the forefront yes, of the good course, light yeah. when in reality they were the ones doing all this messed up stuff yeah yeah hey oppenheimer past lives killers just incredible movies for my top bottoms. three any of them could be one i know y'all had yours it's yeah we got oppenheimer movies. bottoms killers yeah, i was gonna say all, i'm arguing over killers ones. and bottoms is my number one of the movie <laughs> but yeah no i'm not because i'm not arguing i'm not going in this being like this is the test yeah, movie it, and i can't it's believe it's not about arguing yeah, it's just not. about yeah. talking about what we got out of these. Yeah, films. that's exactly, exactly. One hell of a exactly year for it. movies. It was. But we got was. 60 hours just off of our own top 10. These movies <laughs> were long. That's the thing, it's too. so long. Sometimes I like to include little questions like, oh, well, what did you make of this year in movies to help like give us more room to talk? But There's we just talked and talked and talked. There's so much to talk about mm -hmm. about the movies that came out this year. This is probably going to be our, our longest best of video ever and it's not just because of the internet outages we we had a lot to say but i'm sure 
Inner Cuties will have a lot to say about their favorite movies of the year as well, about our lists perhaps. So uh, let us know your top 10 films of 2023 in the comments for this video or by maybe emailing emailing us, intercutpod at gmail.com, interacting with us across social at intercutpod, commenting on us, our Patreon, patreon.com slash intercutpod pod, uh, whatever you need to do to let us know what movies you loved in 2023. And also be on the lookout for our Intercutie Award nominations uh, Google form that's going out because we want to do a, a celebration of what the movies we really responded to as a community later in the year on this channel. Always fun talking about movies. Always fun talking about movies with the both of you. Uh, thanks again for doing this. Amanda, particularly, thank you again for joining us for hours and hours of discussion yeah, sorry at the end I of the year. It, but uh, it's all right. I mean, <laughs> we, we know how to roll with the punches in online video. But I think that just about does it for this edition of the best movies of the year. You can follow me, Zach Shevich, on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, at Zshevich, Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Multiplex Show. We're on TikTok and Instagram as well. Amanda, where can people find more from you? You can find me all over the place at Amanda the Jedi, but mostly on YouTube. And Arturo. Find me over at LME Movies on all social media or let me explain on youtube.com or every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our beleaguered faces as we run through the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut dropping every Monday. And please leave us a comment, like the videos. Consider heading over to iTunes to give us the much-requested five-star review. Uh, shout out to our listeners in America for putting us on the film review oh, podcast charts. To go visit. <laughs> like our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, our Patreon. I mentioned them before. They are at IntercutPod. You can also join the Discord using the link in the description for this episode. And those places are the best ways to get updates throughout the week from Amanda, from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, you dream in a language I can't understand. It's like there's a whole place inside you I can't go. I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. That's the line of the year for me. What a quote. What a quote. What a bar. What a bar. Hitting.